This episode of The Full Nerd is sponsored by Silverstone, the leader in small form factor power supplies for over 10 years. The SX-1000R Platinum is the company's SFX 12V 4.0 update to the pioneering SX-1000 Platinum released in 2020. It now includes the Gen 5 12V high power connector, features ATX 3.0 performance updates, and runs quieter. Pick up the SX-1000R Platinum today and give your small form factor PC the power supply it deserves. In this episode of Full Nerd, Computex Roundup, Apple does VR, and fall CPUs are coming. Welcome to episode 260 of the Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with Michael Kreider. Howdy. Elena Yi is a little late, but she will be here. I'll say hi for her. And Adam Patrick Murray is controlling the vertical and horizontal. Hello. Uh, Gordon and I are both very tired from uh, from the jet lag, but we're here. We did it. Uh, we made it back successfully. Uh, unfortunately, my pilot on the way back decided to fly right through the typhoon, and so I had like the probably the bumpiest ride in an aircraft I've ever had in my life, and that was... It was white knuckle for a while. <laughs> really? Woo-wee. Yeah. You know, I normally actually enjoy uh, uh, the turbulence sometimes because it's kind of cool. Like a, you know, it's like a I think you're the first ride. person I've ever heard say that in my entire <laughs> yeah, life. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, he, I normally do. Right now, with my constitution, I probably would not enjoy it. But honestly, I, I do think it's kind of fun because it's exciting. It's like, you know. You're in the dropship from Aliens or something. Going down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Why pretty did much. the dropship fall out of the ship, though, if it's in space? That's why know. it's called a dropship. It's low orbit, maybe? It's some microgravity? I don't know. It yeah, like it there's falls. gravity on the planet. Well, but I just think, like, if you actually... So if the ship actually dropped free, it would, like, slowly fall out and kind of... The maneuverability of Space 1999, you know, like, oh, is anything happening? But the thing definitely seemed like it fell into, it was pretty fast. Yeah, so we're already talking about aliens already. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of aliens, we saw a couple cool uh, aliens-themed cases at the show. That that was was pretty awesome. Uh, But yeah, Computex, uh, we we made it back. We did talk about uh, a good amount on our live stream. Thanks, everybody, for... For hanging out in the live stream, uh, it was it was cool to see people that that we usually don't get to to see live hang out. And then there were some people who were up really late or early to watch us. So thanks everybody for hanging out. Um, so we talked about some stuff there. We had special guests, whatnot. But I first off, I, I want to hear I want to hear Mike's take on Computex because you were you were at home, so you got to see everything from a distance. How did you feel like Computex went? Well, my uh, assigned duties as far as the show was mostly writing up the coverage that you guys did video for so we could put it on the site in you know, kind of a, a compartmentalized way. And my takeaway was was I really enjoyed the war on cable stuff, especially the the live correspondent report that Gordon did with a bunch of sound effects in the background. I, I was surprised that um, uh, not, not many people, like, I thought there was going to be a lot of comments on that video of people being like, oh, this is, this is Gordon's new... Uh, New persona he needs to have for the rest of the videos, but that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I yeah. mean, as somebody who likes who do, I don't really like RGB in my builds. I don't like the the tons of little tiny screens they're putting into everything because 
I like my computers to look like tiny little um, uh, refrigerators. So just a focus on getting everything as clean and tidy as, as possible once you close up that case. Man, I cannot get that soon enough. So yes, I'm loving that trend. Wait a minute. So you're saying you want, like, no windows or you're just... I don't have windows on any of my builds because wow. the wiring inside is... I'm ashamed of it. If, if they can clean all that up, like, before... I get closed, so I don't need $60 worth of extra cables to make sure everything's long enough to get to the back of the case. I'm all for that. Yeah, and, you know, good good cabling takes a lot of work. So, Mm -hmm. I, you know, not everybody is into it. So I could could see the appeal of just shutting the door on it and not worrying about it. The thing that got me, though, is it's funny how, you know, the vendors don't talk to each other. They don't tell each other what their plans are, but somehow they all seem to arrive at the same spot. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's it's really fascinating because it felt like everybody was pushing, you know, convenience of wiring, you know, clean wiring, and making it far more accessible to even, you know, people who are inexperienced builders. And that was from at least five vendors, and there were probably even more vendors that were, were pushing it. So it was really kind of a... <laughs> It is. It does feel like they all got together, even though you know they don't do that because how stupid would it be to tell your competitors what you're doing? So, well, I think if we're going to pinpoint uh, a beginning for this trend, it's got to be Gigabyte in 2022 CES with their uh, well, not CES as such. They announced it and they released it. It's their Project Stealth with all the backwards facing cables and actually made a retail product out of it. Although it's a terrible deal to buy a case and a motherboard and an out of date power supply just to get that system going. Yeah, I and the thing is that is actually the as much as the coordination doesn't isn't always there. That is the one place that I do think they need to coordinate because we do need mm-hmm. to have Gigabyte MSI and ASUS kind of all get on the same page about where the cutouts are to enable the reverse connectors. Right, and then hopefully have enough motherboards that support reverse connectors that it can form its own little ecosystem to to make it viable because. You know, one of the real problems with the reverse connectors, especially the more radical ones, like the Asus one that actually has a graphics card that has um, mm-hmm. powered off the motherboard, is if, as a consumer, you really don't want to buy into it if you're looking forward, because if they if it goes nowhere, you're basically left with nothing. You you dump the board and the and the GPU because you it's just like these are two things that will only work with each other. So it's. Hopefully, they all kind of get on, at least agree to the same uh, keepouts and the same cutouts in the back of the, the, the cases. Because at least the, the Gigabyte GPU, the Project Stealth one, I think it was a 3070. I can't remember what, what model it, it was. was but yes. Yeah, the, the connectors were on the back, so they were still right. the standard connector. So even right. if you wanted to put that in a different case, usually most cases have a cutout somewhere around there. Like it, Kinda. you didn't have to have like a special cutout for the GPU necessarily. So um, it's still less compatible because if your chassis doesn't work with it, you're just you're 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 stuck mm-hmm. with nothing. So yeah. well, but definitely not the ASUS one. Like if you don't, if you, you know, yeah, like that, that that one doesn't have any wires at all, which is cool. But at the same time. You can only yeah, use it for, with that one motherboard right now. So, and for people who don't know, the you could watch our video. But the concept is um, that it's powered off the motherboard, so there's actually a little, you know, a, a power card edge that slides into the the uh, the motherboard and 
powers the entire video card without having to plug in 12 volt high power or plug in any pins. Um, of course, you still have to plug it into the back of the motherboard because the power is going through the motherboard. But uh, it is it is a more radical approach than uh, the other the other takes so far. Yeah, I don't uh-huh. think it's 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 quite I don't think it's quite settled down yet in terms of where we're going with all that stuff. But hey, it's innovation, right? I mean, you always talk about we need to leave ATX behind. This is right. kind of a step in that area, right? <laughs> yeah, if you I want mean, to hop on this trend, and you, you get desperate, and your case isn't compatible, you can always just go in there with a the Dremel tool, just cut out a big hunk of it, throw a little sandpaper on there, you're ready to go. There you go. Yeah, and that's why I think people, um, if you take the least radical approach, it's going to be a lot easier. So with the Project Stealth and also the Project Zero or the 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 uh, that's the uh, MSI one, right? It's fairly easy to implement on any any case by just cutting out the back of the case. So it's not that it's not that difficult to do. So and it's just good. And most of them should still be compatible with standard cases. I think if you can if you can get a little space in there, it might be tough. It's just that uh, you know it's and this is again this is the reason why I think small four factor builds are for or advanced users. Because you do have to pick your components carefully to make sure it works. Uh, you can definitely get things that just don't fit in small four factors with the, these reverse mount cases. You're gonna if you try to move it to a different case, there's a good chance it's just not gonna fit. Like if you have mm-hmm. a very narrow case, it might not work. You might have to use angle adapters. So it, it's it's tougher. I also, I mean, we, we've we've yet to build with one. I'm I'm still curious to get some of the parts into try to build with one because like I don't know I, I don't know about you guys but for me like I like to do most of the work on the motherboard outside of the case first but that, that might be weird to have the connectors on the back to do the work outside of the case you know I, mm-hmm. I, I'd almost worry that it would like put some weird pressure on it if I'm like trying to push something down so maybe maybe it makes more sense to do that work inside the case on those kind of systems I'd, I don't know I'm, I'm curious I don't think it's going to change it too much. You shouldn't be putting that much pressure on the board anyway, because I mean, when you when you slot those ram sticks in, like you're you're putting pressure on it. So yeah, a little bit. But I, if you're going to put enough pressure to crack the PCB, you you probably should have bought a pre-built anyway. So I don't think it's going to radically change it too much. I don't think it's going to crack the PCB. I'm just thinking the connectors are only on two edges not the other edges so there's definitely like yeah. an inherent wobble to it it just it doesn't lay flat like normal motherboards so yeah as long as the standoffs are okay i think it'll work and it's a, it's a pretty minor to me it's a pretty minor you know change uh, you know we say that but when every time you have a change in how you build with how you've been doing it for now two decades and more we have problems where, you know, you don't plug the plug in all the way, you know, so it's, there's all kinds of things that, that happen because there's just, people are just not used to it. So I I see your point. It could be a problem, but once people get used to it, it's not bad. Where I, I'm interested in it because I do think you basically build the machine, you plug in the power and back and it's going to look super clean. Whereas if you're kind of lazy, you don't want to bother with it. It's not going to look nice, but this will look nice for 99% of people who use these reverse connectors, it feels like. 
Yeah. Uh, also, I, Elena, I see you in the chat. You should come join the, the podcast. You should stop chatting in the chat. Come join. <laughs> um, but yeah, the I, I think the other thing, too, is something that um, Silverstone was talking about, how, how they needed to adjust the thickness of the case as well to adapt mm-hmm. to make sure you have enough room in the, the, the back of that, which I think is an interesting thing, too, because, I mean, case widths, you know, tend to change all the time anyway, but like in that particular case, you need to make sure you have enough so you're not just just putting a, a, a horrible strain on the the actual cable connectors. Which was the one that I saw that just had the whole dang power supply behind there? Uh, I think you're thinking about the uh, Cooler Master concept. Was that it? Okay, that, that sounds right. Yeah, that's the one where you again. This is another take towards making builds easier. You, the power supply is pre-mounted in the case and is plugged into the case itself. And instead of plugging your motherboard into the power supply, you plug your motherboard into the case using these hmm. smaller, uh, um, you know, uh, I mean, the word is escaping me, but I would say dongle or just a, a small, uh, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, it's essentially <laughs> like an extension, like a, like a real yeah. short extension. So you yeah. would, yeah, you'd plug it into the case itself from, from the same side. Yeah. That seems like something that would be a really great implementation for a small form factor design. You know, if they're so if often I'm, paired with their power supplies, maybe. Yeah, it, and then, you know, we've seen some cases that have already done that. Uh, NZXT has their H150. Is that no? It's the one that's the looks like the Xbox clone. Yeah, the, it comes the, wired the, up the H1. Yeah, each one it comes wired with the power supply, and it comes wired up with the um, the cooler. So there, there is precedent for it. Um, I just um, I mean, I like the idea. It's been done before, actually. You know, fifteen or eighteen years ago by a company that's long defunct. But um, it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure it really gets you all that much. It does look a little cleaner because you're, you're going to use these little you know tail tail ends to connect it. But it is also more points of failure in a way too because you basically you know modular power modular power supplies as much as everybody insists is better it still is a weakness over you know having it wired permanently right so you have basically the you have a connector on the modular power supply you have a connector on the case now you have a connector on your motherboard and then you have another connector on the case so you have doubled the amount of connectors it does potentially increase the amount of failure points, but that shouldn't be a problem as long as you're doing it correctly. Yeah, but still pretty fun. Uh, anything else you saw from a distance, Mike, that you were like, oh, wow, sweet. That, that was uh, interesting out of Computex. Aside from the chips you guys were eating, that was I love the the little superstitions they have around them. Yeah, my, uh, Gordon, oh. I don't know about you, but I, all three of my packs of uh, Kwai Kwai uh, came in uh, safe and sound, <laughs> so yeah, mine survived too. I was surprised. Okay, yeah, I, I tried to pack them in a way so that it had like even distribution. So uh, the the chips in here are definitely like just smushed to hell. I'm sure I'm, I'm not going to eat them anyway. But yeah, I'm just glad they didn't pop. <laughs> yeah, and for people who don't know this, the uh, the uh, superstition here. I don't know if it's superstition, but the um, it's like a good luck thing. I, I would call it more like a. a luck thing i don't know yeah it's a luck thing 
Superstition implies it. It doesn't work, but for all we know, it works. Because if people are doing it, damn, it must work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, we first heard about it at the MSI. Uh, we, we we went to their factories, or their their factory building, which is, is now their main offices. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they gave us one, and they say they put it on uh, different different pieces of equipment. I think it means, like, be good is the translation they, they told us. So you, you put it on there just to tell it to be good and, and operate well. So we got one from there, and then when we were at, at their, their booth streaming live, they had uh, the AMD uh, ones, and, and Mike brought this uh, a good point up before we started streaming. What, what happens if I put this AMD one on an Intel system? Would it, would it be good, or would it do the opposite? Would it misbehave? Uh, we'll have to ask somebody. Because it brings you... You know, good luck. It's you know, it's the same as you know, players wear the same socks through the entire series, mm-hmm. of World Series, right? So, I would guess it works. It doesn't matter, you know. Well, it, I, it all I works until it doesn't work. Yeah, I love the little tidbit that you replace it when it goes out of date, never having eaten it, and just make sure there's a fresh one there all the time. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, what? are there? Uh, I didn't look to see if there was a an expiration date. Uh, there's something. Oh yeah, 2024, I think. Yeah, March yeah, so 28, 2024. So we, have, we have to bring back fresh supply from Computex every year? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, you know what? I did notice it says, uh, it says since 1968. Oh. Could it's we the... substitute it with Funyuns? Would it work? Would Funyuns work in the U.S.? <laughs> well, I think Funyuns only if are... you've got a gaming machine. Very, very specific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a potato chip shaped like a ring, and it has an onion taste. It goes really well with Grape Fanta. If you drank that when you're in um, uh, middle school or elementary school, so that's that's the way uh, we did it. Great Fanta with your uh, your Funyuns. I the Funyuns might work. We could try that as a as a as an American tradition of putting the Funyuns on on equipment to make it last. I mean, you could try. It'd be it'd be hilarious. I think uh, the people we talked to in Taiwan would be like, "What? Okay, sure." <laughs> I think you, if you, as long as you match up the the flavor of your chip and whatever the color of the of the bag is with your RGB LEDs to make sure everything's in sync. <laughs> got to get the cool wrench if you got those blue uh, blue LEDs going. I'm surprised though. This it, you have to replace it with a fresh supply though, because that that kind of feels like the company that makes that product is somehow started started this like oh it's a tradition really. You know, they just went around and spread that, and then everybody does it because they started it. Like, that means everybody has to – if you run like a – if you're like Amazon and you've got this, like, massive, you know, data center, you've got to buy 50,000 of those bags of Raguai <laughs> to put on your, your your servers, you know, and every year. Like, what's this cost? So, like, $500 for, like, snacks? Oh, no, that's not for us. It's for the computers. Like, what? Are you crazy? So, <laughs> yeah, Pretty much. Uh, and uh, for those asking, it's uh... – uh, Kwai Kwai with, um, I think it's with a K, not a G. Really? Huh, I, th- I, think, I think so. I think it's Kwai with a G, but because that, that sort of somewhat translates into uh, Cantonese a little bit. So Really? Um, I don't, yeah. But, anyway. We'll have to ask, we'll have to ask uh, Joshua from MSI. He's the one who clued us in on this. Unless he's like, <laughs> of course, it could be just like they're just messing with us too. Like, oh, this, <laughs> this tell these people some dumbass thing. Actually, like, you know what? Crazy. You're right. Both bags we got from MSI. Maybe MSI is just like pulling our leg. Just pulling it. Yeah, just pulling <laughs> it. I, I don't think I they mean, are, but that would be hilarious, right? I mean, they've got AMD branding on the bag. There's got to be something yeah. for that. It's, a, it's an elaborate <laughs> ruse, right? 
Uh, you know, so uh, there's other trends too that I think are worthy of talking about out of out of the case kind of like building thing. Please. Uh, and unfortunately, because our schedule got so jacked up, but um, we didn't see the height height uh, version. But uh, Corsair has its IQ Link, and then Height has mm-hmm. its Nexus, and that is basically different takes on one cable for them all. What do you guys think of those? Yeah, Mikey. I think that falls in, into the same category. I'm really excited about it. Just making things easier and more streamlined. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wish it was USB C. I don't see any reason that it couldn't be USB C for all that, all the data and the power that they want. Um, because I think that's what Hyatt's doing with all their stuff. All their, I've only seen them do it with lights so far. I, do, I didn't oh. see any fans that they had uh, for their particular system, except they had a compatibility with the standard fan header going in. Um, and Corsair obviously wants people to use Corsair equipment. Right. Uh, they have. They said it was releasing later this month, and they haven't said prices. But somebody somewhere said it was going to be approximately ten percent more expensive than their standard stuff, which sounds like a, a pretty good deal to me as far as this additional functionality goes. Uh, no, ten percent more than their high end stuff. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I would so, assume so. Yeah. yeah which so, isn't that bad. Which is not that Although, bad. I mean, but still going to be high end, expensive. The high end is expensive already, so it's it's not like going to be a five dollar fan kind of stuff. Yeah, and Gordon, why uh, do you remember why they told why they told us the USB C uh, wouldn't or couldn't couldn't work with their system? They had to have that proprietary connector, mostly for power because they they wanted to deliver enough power to drive everything as well, and they they said USB C wasn't really going to do it. If, I mean, I know. You can do USB-C up to 240 watts. That every, everybody believes that it is more complicated than that. So uh, the the problem with USB-C, and I've actually been talking with laptop makers about it, to get to 240 watts in a laptop is it's all uh, it's all low amperage. It's high voltage but low amperage. So probably dealing with you know there's it's not it's basically not as uh, cut and dry as as everybody seems to think it's going to be. That could have been some of the problems with Corsair as well, and then also implementing implementing USB C can be more complicated because it is a for uh, Corsair. I think they said they you know they have a serial and parallel protocols communication protocols that they're using. They're passing power, and theirs is definitely more high ambition because they're trying to address each of the fans individually. Each of the fans actually have mm-hmm. um, they have temperature sensors in them, so you could actually. Turn the fan speeds down on each of the fans individually, as well as control the RGB in a granularity that I've not seen before. I don't. I remember they. So one thing just worth mentioning is they have this. Is it called time shift? Is that what it was called? I can't remember. Oh, time. dang it! I can't. I can't remember. It was. A, it was a cool thing though. <laughs> yeah, I'm it, glad it so showed up on doing, video too. I was worried. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So what they're doing is so they can they can have the the fan. So you can obviously have it set the fan speed. When you hit this button and you set it to, I'm, I may have this incorrect, I thought it was called time shift. What it does is it will then pulse the RGB, the lighting, not the RGB, but it will pulse LEDs in the actual fan hub to make it look like it's not moving. So, you know, if you obviously are strobing the light, you know, just like like a classic 70s strobe light. So it looks like you're strobing it, that LED, the fan itself looks like it's either stopped or, or moving very slowly because they... They have that much finite control over each of the devices, and kind of that's what they're shooting for is 
really, really fine grain control over your entire system controlled over a single cable and powered over a single cable, except for any of the displays. The uh, displays in the coolers themselves are too high bandwidth for the system that they have, and they actually have to plug in USB-C, <laughs> which is they couldn't use it. They couldn't build the system off USB-C, but for the bandwidth they need for data, they are using USB-C. So like the CLCs with the little displays on them are actually uh, using USB-C on them. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, like, I think... Well, that one that one's easier to wrap your head around compared to the reverse connector one, and is, I mean, I guess cost wise, there's going to be a little bit of a buy in, but hopefully cost gets down if it gets picked up. Um, but for me, yeah, like it's not even just a visual thing because, like, on my system, and I mean, you know, how many fans do I have that are RGB in there, and I got to wire in each of them individually. It's more the organization on the back end. It's not really a, a looks thing because I can hide those cables anyway. It's more, it's more the organization on the back end being like, okay, well, crap, how many headers do I have? Uh, okay, do I need a hub? Oh man, how am I going to power the hub? Like this, this yeah. definitely simplifies. And and I mean, they did say like, oh, this is going to be easier for for people to first time builders and things like that, which. In this case, I actually would tend to agree. I don't know what first-time builders buying the the most expensive fans you can get out there, but you know, <laughs> I, there are some. I mean, if you're buying high end, you're I can see it. Yeah. Although uh, I I really do welcome either the height version or the Corsair one. You know, at least building some momentum for it because I hate putting CLCs together. I mean. It's just so dumb because you've got each fan with wires coming off of for the RGB. Then you've got mm-hmm. wires for the power. And you've got like this massive trunk of wires that you now have to deal with just for your stupid cooler. It's such a pain in the butt. <laughs> and it's just ugly. It looks like hell. And you can kind of, you know, cleverly hide all the wires, but it's just like it's so inelegant. So to have all the fans you know, connect together, they have, they're connected magnetically, and then they, they pass the power and the data through the magnets. It's, it's actually, it's, <laughs> I honestly think I would pay the extra for it, to be honest, because it's just so much easier. So, Speaking we'll of, of individual fans that you can change to address like hot spots or cool spots, did you guys ever manage to see the Silverstone CPU cooler that had like the, the fans you could pop out and add on to different spots? to manage the total airflow. How was that? I mean, they had it on like a, a wall display. They didn't actually have it like powered on a motherboard and like showing any like demos or anything like that. It was more just like, oh, look at this cool display on the wall. And it, it looked cool. I mean, I, I I put my hand under underneath one of them and it was it was interesting. Uh, for those who didn't see, yeah, I was like, God, it's really hard to describe. So on, on the the CPU mount it's kind of circular and then it has little circular uh sp- like attachments to the side where where the fans were so and then those can rotate so imagine if you're like oh you know what i i, I want to cool my vrms a little bit more and i need like a, a direct fan right on them you just kind of move it up to the vrms or oh you know what i want, want a little more airflow on my ram you can kind of push it down to the side and it'll blow air on that uh they I can't remember how many they had on a tower because it was like attached magnetically, but they had, God, Gordon, I think it was like maybe nine stacked up. And we were like, how, how many can you actually go? And they're like, well, we, have, we haven't tried it yet, but. <laughs> yeah, the one they had had seven. 
arranged Seven. all the way around it. Uh, okay. And it was called, let me find it, it's called the Ice Mist 420 ARGB. Yeah. So that's actually cooler, and then it has these optional, or not optional, well, I guess if you want to stack more of them, but it has the mm-hmm. extra coolers for the VRMs. I have a picture of if you want it, Adam. I can... It seems like a lot of people saw the, the video of oh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was actually a surprise hit, I think, because people were like, oh, that is really kind of... Because I know the, the classic thing, though, is now people are going to be like, oh, you like this? Because that's how a lot of these manufacturers like. They just kind of stumble into it. I can honestly <laughs> somebody go like, oh, people like the auxiliary fans mounted around the, uh, the water block. So now we're going to actually mount additional fans or maybe make it look like flowers or just all these other things around your water block to ostensibly add airflow to your your VR your motherboard VRMs but mostly is there because people just like the looks of it right so I mean it does look like a cross between like a quadcopter drone and a modern art installation so <laughs> it's 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 very striking visually you, you can't beat it I know I know I I mean that is one of those things where I think you know you get you get the response from consumers and they're like, oh, let's run with it. So now I could see, honestly, you know, from the factory, this thing having four or five different fans on it so you can swivel them around or, or I mean, honestly, stupidly, I, I say stupid, but why not have them motorized? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Oh, like, put no. sensors on your motherboard. Where do you need the coverage? Have them move <laughs> around dynamically. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, you can actually, you could, you could build some AI intelligence into it, so it blows the VRMs. There's, but all, you could just have the thing just continually move around the motherboard, right? So, the, <laughs> so you'd have four of them, and they would just spin around the the water block, and like, oh, that, that'd be funny. There's probably not enough clearance to for the top of the GPU if you have the GPU in the top slot, like because we didn't see it in a system. So that, yeah. that was the one thing I wanted to see was like, okay, how, how does this actually look in a system? Because I, I have a feeling like it actually might be more cramped than uh, than than we're expecting. But well, you could have them, you know, like windshield wiper blades. Like they would, you'd have two <laughs> of them, and they would just slowly do this pattern back and forth. There's just kind of crazy things you could do with it. But I mean, most of the things people are doing in their PC are ninety percent looks. So, and that's the kind of look that you would like, right? Because that's like, it's like people got like when uh, cyber, you know, cyber power has that breathing case. It's like, oh, that looks really cool, right? So maybe that's the next, the next, next thing is cases with active movement or the things are, you know, mechanically moving on their own. So that would be fun. Well, uh, a a wild Delena appears. Hi, Delena. Happy, uh, Happy Tuesday. Oh, you're muted in Zoom. It happens. Nope, oh, nope, still can't hear you. That's okay. <laughs> Live troubleshooting. Um, it's the ritual you go through every time you connect. Also, swear, oh, my there's... headset is so jealous of my uh, dedicated mic that whenever I turn it on, it tries to wrestle back control over input. Yeah, nope, that happens. Um, and if, if you can give me a, a, a little more on, on your mic, please. Um, uh, how uh, is this? New, New Tech was asking, uh, did you see any case with the diorama in it somewhere? That, uh, that I don't know what that is. Diorama? I'll have to look it up. A diorama is usually like a little scene. Yeah. So it could be a re- reference to one of the cases that were just like, uh, or builds that were just like crazy built out and had like a whole 
little uh, story it was telling. Yeah, there there was one, oh man, I can't remember, was it the Be Quiet? No, I don't think it was Be Quiet. One of them had a uh, a case that had a World War Z setup, and it was like very intricate. It, it wasn't just the case itself; it had like a whole like scene in front of it. Uh, that that was pretty. That was pretty crazy. Uh, Willis Willis got a lot of footage from case mods, and uh, when he gets back, he's gonna cut together a little short of like some of the coolest case mods we saw. So. Look forward to that. Now, there's a reason to route all your all your cables to the back of the case, so you can put an entire like forty k scene of miniatures inside with nothing oh, to obstruct them. Sure, someone thought of that already. Oh, Enermax, thank you, thank you, Travis. It was Enermax. Uh, yeah. No, it was fun. Uh, well, uh, welcome, Lena. Um, I had asked Mike, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll ask you. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, what, uh, fr- from a distance, what, what did you see at Computex that you were, you were excited about or just overall, how, how do you feel about the show? Uh, it was a little muted. I feel like this year, just because we didn't have any like huge major announcements from one of the, you know, big three companies. Um, but I actually liked it in a way because I felt like it put more emphasis and focus on some of the cool PC building things that were coming out of the show. Um, I really like that some of the things, some of the trends we've seen in earlier years, they are now um, moving on to iterating on that and making e- making things even easier to, you know, make the aesthetic build of your dreams right so that you don't have to spend hours patiently cable routing um or cable doing cable management um you don't have to always deal with a boring black case like my one of my favorite trends out of computex was that there was color like we actually got to see more components cases and thermal takes always kind of led the charge on this i feel but uh, Thermaltake had some really cool looking AIOs, um, even seeing more white and silver um, motherboards, right? Like, I think there was like an MSI one that it had these really cool looking, I think it was one of the ones that had the rear ports, and it had these really cool like silver plates kind of hiding parts of the uh, the black PCB. Mm-hmm. And it gives it just, I don't know, it gives it kind of a more polished uh, my opinion, upscale kind of look, a little bit more um, sleek. I I find that really exciting because a lot of these things, um, even 15 years ago, you had to do yourself. So case modding was like, such a big deal back in the day because you really had to craft all these cool things that we're now getting to take for granted because a manufacturer is like, hey, we we made this for you. Just give us some money and now you can go home and just immediately put it in your system. You don't have to take out the Dremel tool that Kreider was talking about and <laughs> uh, be able to hold it so that you actually cut things in a proper circular you know, manner and then like have to file the edges and all that stuff. So for lazy people like me, I'm very excited by all this stuff. I don't have to go spray painting things like um, a lot of people will go and take cans of spray paint. Right. And just like spray down their panels for their cases to get that color they want. And you still have to do that if you want like a very specific color. But um, there's some cool greens out there that I saw. There's that um, Cooler Master had some of the best stuff from for my my preferences um, that uh, Encore. 100 that like tower 
like that, like a mini ITX tower. They um, had it in bronze and this kind of dark teal. And I'm just like, Elena, you don't need seven computers just because you want a new case. Like you don't need that many computers. I probably will end up with that many computers because I want the case, but <laughs> that's just my life. Uh, and then of course the, uh, the fractal design. Um... Oh crap. Now the name's escaping. Oh, the Terra. The Terra. Yeah. 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 That mint green. Ooh. Yeah. That, that was pretty. Uh, some, somebody in, in discord was asking, Oh, I, the only review units I'm seeing are either black or, or, uh, silver or white or whatever that color is. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why aren't there more of the green ones? And yeah, I was, I was this close to, to, to getting the green one in, uh, they, they did send it before Computex. So I actually saw it beforehand. Um, but yeah, that that was really pretty. I mean, fractal is it being, makes awesome stuff. Is it being sold in the mint green? Yeah, so the it's Terra a is available. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it was kind of a minty green. Uh, you call it a jade, a light jade color. I think they um, I think they actually do call it jade. Oh, um, yeah. I call it more of a mint because uh, being Chinese to me, like the only jade that's real jade is like the deep dark green one that you know has had time to cure to that color. Um. Uh, so it's available in that green, uh, Gordon. It's available in white and available in black, if I remember right. I think it's just... So one of the questions we got on the Fulner Discord server was, you know, do reviewers get a choice of what color they got, uh, you know, get in? And sometimes you do, but sometimes some of those, like, um, more fun colors aren't available when the review samples go out. So I understand why some of the reviewers probably got you know, the white ones or black ones in. It also can do with photography, right? Like you can speak more to this, uh, Adam, but like having a dark case is really hard to show the internals. So um, a lot of times we default to white cases, not because we are like gaga about white color cases. It's just that it allows you all when we do videos on cases to see what's actually happening in there. Or live build or something like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, But yeah, you know, but people keep bringing... uh in the chat other other things up that we saw and yeah it's like even though it was kind of a, a more a more quiet uh computex i mean there was still so many booths we didn't get a chance to go look at like uh lee and lee we didn't really get a chance to stop by and, and check out that new vision really? uh oh, wow. yeah like i mean we, we we were like walking on our way and then somebody had has stopped us to go check something else out uh i did pop by the montech uh, booth. They gave me like a, a real quick tour, but I, w- I was also running to something else. And yeah, uh, there there was a, a lot of cool stuff there that, that we didn't even get a chance to see. A uh, friend of the show, Ruch, who's asking, uh, any more anime themed builds like uh, Eva and Gundam? Um, I, do, I did see, uh, and I sent this to, to our old coworker, Dan, because it was one of his favorite, but um, Initial D. They had Initial D, oh, but it, yeah. was, it was a mod. It was like a, a Tower 100 mod. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see any actual anime like like crossovers or anything. Like but... full builds, right? I mean, I mean, that, that, that weren't mods. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, okay. I, I think they're talking about like actual um, like product. Like per- oh, well, they had that Street like Fighter crossover. They had a Street Fighter oh, crossover yeah, was... at the Cooler Master booth, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And it was actually well yeah. done for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just thinking in terms of like anime. I, d- I don't remember seeing any specific anime ones. Street Fighter is pretty anime. It's it's a bit adjacent. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> um, did you see the the um, somebody sent me a link for the cat one? 
So apparently, like, there's a whole, like, uh, the, the case itself has, like, the cartoon cat on the front. And they actually have a graphics card that's, like, colored in a way to suggest, like, calico or marmalade cat coloring. And I was like, I'm so glad some of these things never make it to the U.S. because I would be so broke. I would be so broke. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's actually two versions of the case. They had they had a oh. a smaller version and a bigger one. I, I I got photos of that as well. I didn't see the oh. GPU though, but it, it was like people were surrounding it. I was just once yeah, again running uh, to something else and was like, was, oh, interesting. It was really subtle. It's like white, but then like the fans, like think of kind of like Noctua, but instead of like Noctua brown, it's like slightly more of like a tan orangey oh, color. So cute. like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty subtle, but it's cute. I wonder how hard that kind of stuff. I wonder oh, how sorry, hard it is to, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I wonder how hard it is to do um, licensing for these to do, you know, initial D is a, I was introduced to that by my son. Like I have no idea what it was, but. <laughs> there's a you know but all the anime and all that stuff you know for case vendor you can't just simply throw the graphic on there and make it you have to actually pay somebody to use their you know intellectual property i kind of wonder how hard it is to do that and then i also wonder if it's really risky because you know does you pay for it and you spin it up and you do say i don't know ten thousand units with that actual uh, anime or whatever you know pictures styling on it and then you can't sell it. It's going to sit in a warehouse for the, what, the next five years. Like, if you can't sell it all, it seems like it's, it is high risk. So I guess I can understand why when you have thin margins already in, in, the, in the case chassis industry, you add an extra cost to it, and then you just don't know if, you can, if you're going to really move them all. I mean, it's I not even just the case, though. Like, the, the, when Asus did the EVA and the Gundam ones, they were GPUs, motherboards. Uh, like, yeah. Willis, Willis's last build was... Uh, had a had one of those Gundam motherboards, and they actually had two different versions. Like they had the good guys and the bad guy, bad guys in Gundam. <laughs> so, it was, oh, nice. so yeah. But but well, I mean, he, he it was a tenth gen motherboard, you know, and he he really didn't have anywhere to upgrade. <laughs> so he was like, oh okay, well now now he just has the motherboard. We were talking about ways of maybe displaying it or something like that. Yeah, but. he just got an acrylic case or something to mount on the wall. <laughs> right. Did I they mean, do future versions? Like, did this, was that the only one? Uh, uh, yeah, no, they just did the, I, I can't remember the, the chipset, uh, Z490, was it, something like that, but or they, they, oh, that's what it was, the, the, um, which is even kind of weirder, the, the good guys were the Z version, and the bad guys were the B version, so whatever the 10th gen equivalent of one, so if you're like, oh, well, I want the features of the Z490, uh, crap, but the, only the bad guys is in the cheaper B whatever <laughs> that's what you uh, get for siding out of siding with evil man right like you just yeah. get really good into second tier i would uh, say though i um oh sorry go ahead were you oh, i was just gonna say we, we did get two super chats i'm, I'm so sorry I, I, I forgot to mention uh two five dollar super chats from friend of the show joseph frusky and uh the the high school uh that he teaches at uh good to see it and it says uh gordon you know the, what they say about the uh uh the the star trek red shirts uh please be careful we need you around for a long time you know, Scotty wore a red shirt, though, so. Engineering and <laughs> Was he the only one? Who... Command, right? Command no, in the next generation. Red. In the original, it was, it was Yellow, engineering. Right. It was red. Yeah. Uhura wore, wore red, too, so, huh, interesting. Comms? She would be operations, I think. Hmm. Yeah, that makes doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Security. Uh, the expendable ones. And engineering. I think it's what they were trying to say. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and I forgot about the the Azrock Z790 Sonic the Hedgehog board. I oh, think that wow. was just the motherboard, though. Uh, you know, for for all the licensed products I've ever seen in, in this kind of thing, it's always based on something existing. So I think it's just a matter of a paint job and a little bit of of, of weeks in the very final process of manufacturing, and they'll do what maybe one thousand, maybe five thousand of these units. It's an extra expense, yeah, but it's not so much of an extra expense that it's some crazy risk, especially if they know they're going to have a certain you know fan base. Like it, it's it's a safe bet that you've got some people who want to build computers who are also Gundam fans. Yep. I mean, w- when yeah. we were they're looking cheap. for that Gundam yeah. stuff for Willis, it was all sold out. Yeah. <laughs> it was so yeah. I mean, they're I, choosing I can't franchises speak to the other ones, that but... are huge. I would think more the issue is getting that franchise to agree to it as opposed to the other way around. Right. So, I mean, they're doing Street Fighter, huge fan base. They're done Gundam. They've done uh, Ava. Right. So huge fan bases. Like, I'm sure if they were ever, ever able to do it, if they were like doing one piece also, like that would sell out. There's like just huge fandom around these things. So it's it's going to sell. Honestly, what I am surprised they haven't done yet because of the whole upgradability issue. Right. Like eventually you're going to get off a 10th gen board. Eventually you're going to you know abandon this. But you don't want to abandon like your homage to one of your favorite series. Um, But they don't do more motherboard covers, right? Because like an ETX motherboard is roughly laid out the same way, right? So like, why don't they do these like licensed motherboard covers that you can basically take with you from build to build, you know? And like they could constantly be, if depending, they probably don't have the wherewithal or like the energy to have a separate, separate licensing department to create these things, but if they were able to standardize this enough, like you could have a whole like sub business of being like, yeah, like this year we're releasing special like one piece, like whatever anniversary commemorative things or like, well, one piece is ending. So here's like some favorite thing scenes from your, you know, favorite episodes, like stuff like that. I don't know why I'm stuck on one piece today. I'm just using it. Like, there's just so many licensed properties out there that which is probably to me like sell like hotcakes sailor moon definitely a big one um gosh yeah so many i and think I it's just probably builds in my house <laughs> you know because you know it's i kind of think of like licensing like disney like you could license like oh we're gonna make some you know rat poison or something and you could license <laughs> anything they really don't care as long as there's a check attached to it mostly so I don't think that's going to matter that much. I just kind of think it's like, how, how do you, how do you really balance the demand for it? And especially, you know, if you, still being stuck with a thousand of these things that are premium that you paid for, it seems kind of tough for a case vendor. It feels like. I, a bit, but I think that's what we're saying is that they're probably not getting stuck with them because they're, they're making so little and they're picking properties that are so yeah. uh, popular, but who knows? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it just makes you wonder because, you know, PCs are all about personalization. So I'm just surprised somebody hasn't leaned into the really just kind of like this customized IP kind of around it, you know. You you can't get that from a lot of, you know, boutique vendors, but to get that from a case vendor would be kind of neat. I just don't know how easy that would be to do and whether you can really make money at it. At least with cases, it's easier to have a case that can withstand a couple generations. Like if, yeah. but if you if you're on a motherboard, and you're like, all right. or if you have a a thirty seventy GPU, and you're like, okay, well, at some point, I want to upgrade that. 
Well, yeah. for a case, you could at least do something like the old Nokia phones with the faceplate where you can get a billion different kinds of them. Uh, I mean, most of them already have side panels that you can take off and that are fairly interchangeable. Just sell different patterns on that. Good to yeah. go. True. That, that was my favorite thing about, it seems like it's become more of a standardish feature, but you know how Corsair, when they launched their 4000D, 5000D series, and you had that front panel that you could swap mm-hmm. so that if you could have a solid panel, you could have the airflow panel, et cetera, et cetera. I was surprised that, you know, manufacturers aren't at least encouraging a cottage industry to spring up around that where it's like, Hey, we customize these for you, right? Like you want a photo of your cat on there. We can do that for you. Walgreens. I just saved your photo department. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. You know, one thing I I want to ask you about, because it was a, it was a weird thing at Computex and I don't really know if it's deserved or not is all of the insane PCIe Gen 5 SSD cooling for motherboards and aftermarket. Like I saw, actually, I, unfortunately, we never, we ne- I didn't get back to Gigabyte to do a video on it, but they had a motherboard. It's one of their Z790 refresh boards, which we can talk about later. But it had, and they've used this before, but it had a PCIe Gen 5 cooler that was like five inches tall. It was like, it was crazy, right? It was like the biggest one I'd seen. Until I saw one that was bigger, and I think Team Group has <laughs> an aftermarket, you know, CLC. So basically, you know, a single 120 millimeter, it looks like, a cooler, liquid cooling for your SSD. And then just everybody, and then A-Data had this kind of crazy, weird tube-looking cooler. Just a lot of over-the-top PCIe Gen 5 coolers. And, and I think a lot of it's kind of driving people to go like, to scare people to think, oh my God, I really got to keep these things cool. But I'm not so sure you really do have to do it because also I saw some Gen 5 SSDs that just had the little minimal tiny, you know, aluminum heat sink and a little, you know, 1.5 millimeter fan on it. So do you really need all this insane cooling that they're pushing? It's just kind of, kind of a little bit of a weird disconnect for me. It's called, it's called upselling, Gordon. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to spend that much on like the highest end components, so there's definitely going to be some people who buy the extended warranty, so to speak, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, and actually the other thing too that I, I is worth mentioning is, is speaking of easy ideas. And, you know, damn, this would have been a great video. So Gigabyte has a new, their Z790 refresh board. <clears throat> they've had a quick release for the top SSD for a while. So it's just, you push on it and you can pop it off, pop it off. But they had the entire plate, you know, typically for the other three or four M.2s underneath the PCIe slots, they actually have a quick release. So you push one button and you can take it off with one hand instead of the take four screws out, remove this stupid plate and then try to figure out how to get those four screws back into your motherboard for the, other SSDs. That was a pretty cool feature. We saw that at MSI too on their. Oh uh, yeah, on the, but that on was on the board. top one. Though, no, right? no, it was on the the, oh, was it on? the 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 big thick one on the bottom too. Oh, okay, so all of them too. So yeah, I mean that this is like oh, I'm glad, so glad everybody's doing that. And the MSI one actually had, so they had RGB integrated into the Gen Five cooler because that makes it better, but uh, they used Pogo pins to connect the uh, the uh, cooler on there, so it would pop in and pop out without having to connect wires or to deal with any screws. It was pretty nice. So this is kind of a random question. And it 
I don't really know that much, unfortunately, yet about uh, open loop cooling. Have you seen any like baby, tiny little cooling uh, pipes for those SSDs for open loop systems? Because I feel like it would probably would not be very efficient, but I think it'd be adorable if you just had like little SSD, <laughs> little pipe. You know, I haven't seen it, but it, it, I'm sure that's on the way because people are clearly into liquid cooling things that don't necessarily need cooling. And I, I just don't, I'm not convinced you really need that amount of cooling for these SSDs, but Hey, we, this is, this is an overkill hobby mm. community, right? So people like the overkill just for the overkill. That also that, can be something that can be tested. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, but I also do think it's one of those things where it's not like you need it. It's just more like maybe they're piggybacking off of the, the the narrative around it, like, oh, man, these Gen 5 drives are so hot. Oh, okay, well, crap. If the narrative is that they're hot, then we should offer right. something. So Yeah, because uh, yeah. now people are petrified that they really need to cool these Gen 5 coolers, so we're going to give you insane over-the-top cooling because that's better as a marketing uh, aspect. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a video you guys need to do. Just test this stuff out in the lab, see if it's really necessary. Yeah, actually, we're in the middle of that. I'm actually testing a, a Gen 5 SSD, and we're going to hook up some external thermal couples. I, You know, you I, the data is probably going to match what we've already done with our first SSD, which was, yeah, you know, it is better to have better cooling, but for most workloads that everybody's doing, it's inconsequential. Because if you, most people are not sitting there and writing at 10 or 12 gigs for... 35 minutes. It's just not something people are doing. So, Also, most people don't have PCI Gen 5 drives. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they will one day. Oh my gosh. You got to be prepared for it. Who has time for that, though, when uh, Gen 4 has dropped to ludicrously low prices right now? Mm -hmm. like yeah, somebody in slower. the just Fulner Discord server was saying that you could pick up a 2 terabyte P41 um, for like 80 bucks. Wow. Right? Yeah. Those eyebrows? <laughs> exactly my expression when I read that. I guess I got to go uh, pick up some more of uh, the fastest in class SSDs. Oh, okay. But it was like, whoa. So your, your hoped for four terabyte cheap, uh, sorry, cheap four terabyte drives may soon be in sight, Gordon. I don't know. Wait, how much was that for the 80 bucks you're saying? How Two terabytes. Gen 4. For SSD. platinum P P41? Oh, that's mm -hmm. pretty good. I mean, because it just keeps getting cheaper. I bought a yeah. cheapo. I bought that, that Silicon Power one that was $75. And, of course, I haven't opened it, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have bought this thing. Because now they're cheaper. I mean, that's the best thing is <laughs> when, you know, because and this is the boomer bus cycle that we go through. When the RAM and NAN, the same people, right? When the NAN people go through these bus cycles and the RAM people go through these bus cycles, it's awesome because you can get it. You can now get all the RAM and storage you want at the best prices and then you know yeah. suddenly we'll get to those boom yeah. boom days for them and don't oh. don't you know these are the times where like this is pretty good but you have to realize these people basically go from like making you know actually losing money by selling their product to making money so when they're making money maybe you should realize that you know you they got to make money sometime so <laughs> Don't, uh, don't bitterly complain about it as much as, as you do when you realize, like, oh, maybe you should have bought that two-terabyte drive for $80. What? Careful. The Internet doesn't like capitalism. Well, I mean, it's just like you got to understand that that industry is always just 
horribly gone through these boom and bust cycles over and over and over again, so much that so many of them have gone out of business. So I can kind of take it when they do their profit taking because they got to make their profits at some point because otherwise the other 80% of the time they making no money, then they go out of business and you got nothing. So this is a good time if you have the money for it. Uh, also, yeah, I do want a correction. So the, <clears throat> the, uh, this is very confusing. I, I actually really don't like that Solidime and, and SK Hynix have done this. The uh, SK Hynix Platinum P41 is equal to the Solidime P44 Pro. So the one that's $80 right now is the Solidime P41, not the SK Hynix Platinum P41. Uh, Those aren't the same. So sorry, the, the, I misread that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it, 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 it's actually really annoyingly confusing that they do it that way. <clears throat> so that, that P41 yeah. is... is not as uh, not as good as the I P44. Swear, I swear I saw something. Let me look in. Well, you guys are talking. I'm going to look this yeah. up because I remember I have saying, seen that. Wait, yeah. People run into that all the time. I, it, it, it's very annoying that they named them both the, the same uh, that way. But yeah, the SK Hynix P41 is not the Solidime P41 Plus. So anyway. what Was there anything out of, anything else out of context? Were you from the outside... Look in, were you disappointed there weren't it wasn't any big GP or CPU news? Michael or Elena? Although Elena's looking something up, but Michael. I am looking up something, sorry. I wouldn't say disappointed. We've had enough we we know more or less when stuff is coming out down the road. Uh I mean if you want just tons and tons of news out of a, a trade show all the time, then I guess that's fun to read. Speaking as someone who has to write it up. I'm okay with a, with a less a less intense uh, workload <laughs> as far as covering it. <laughs> well, well, thank you for making all the stubs. Uh, okay. Sorry, I figured it out. <laughs> uh, did Did either of you watch uh, Jensen's keynote about uh, AI and our new our new future? I think I was sleeping. I don't know what time that was. was <clears throat> or just watch it later. Late. Yeah. I, I caught a recap. I confess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did you think of it? Because, I mean, obviously, not that much consumer news mm-hmm. out of it. I mean, Computex, you've got a bunch of crunchy consumer news at the bottom of it, but then NVIDIA has always sprinkled in some much more B2B stuff in their presentations. What was it, six or seven years ago? Every single NVIDIA show, they'd spend half an hour to 45 minutes talking about cars. Like That's, that's not what anybody is, is really tuning in here or except for, I don't know, speculative investors. And they're going to catch the press release anyway. Uh, it's really important for NVIDIA. That's that's why they suddenly boomed up in terms of their stock price. But that's, that's stock market stuff. That doesn't really interest me. I guess it's great for their bottom line at the moment until the shift goes somewhere else. People were arguing about how you know they're not as concerned about the consumer graphics cards market I wouldn't say that. They know where their bread gets buttered. They know that's a reliable market and will be for years and years. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. People are upset at the prices, and they always will be, which is understandable from a consumerist perspective. I certainly don't like to pay more than I have to, but it is what it is. If if you get really desperate, you can always – you don't have to run 120 frames per second 4K for absolutely everything. And Wait, what? And if, you don't? what about you Elena do you buy into I mean um, Michael's um, reaction is is probably the minority view because it definitely feels like the louder wheel is is afraid that uh, 
PC, I've seen it everywhere that PC gaming is being waved bye-bye to by NVIDIA. So, you know, Jensen actually addressed that himself. But do you, do you buy into that or not? Because that definitely felt like a, a Computex kind of theme. So I think, I think my take on that is a little bit more measured, right? Where it's like, I think it's valid to be afraid that when you're such a small slice of the pie, they'll stop cutting it for you, right? But I also think that mindshare is a big deal to NVIDIA because, I mean, like, think about it, right? Like, they don't have to produce consumer cards. I mean, they make money hand over fist uh, in the server space, right? Um, but I think there's something to be said for the uh, intangible quality of having the hearts of general pop, the general populace because some of those people are going to be making decisions about what things to buy for their companies, uh, like IT departments, right? So I think there's there's kind of like that little bit of that human factor in there that I think it's I think it's valid to be concerned that this company who's making so much money that is making so much money uh, won't have really any incentive to make things consumer friendly. But I I don't think it's necessarily a case where we have to worry that the the pie is going to start you know be sliced for completely other different um, people and we're going to get left out. It's just probably not going to be a fun time for us, given that we, a lot of us still remember an era where there was a lot of catering to, you know, desktop computing or sorry, desktop PC gaming. Uh, also, I'll, I'll push back on you, Gordon, because I, I, I actually don't see that many people thinking that NVIDIA is just going to like stop making graphics or, you know, gaming GPUs. It's more that, uh, here, uh, somebody in the chat said it good. Um, oh, uh, Zod Ray said, uh, I wouldn't say they're ditching gaming, but gaming is absolutely on the back burner. So I, I, I don't think, I, I, I personally haven't seen anybody say that like, oh, nope, they're just going to stop making gaming GPUs. It's more like, oh, they're, they're doing all this other stuff. They'll still make gaming GPUs, but it's definitely going to be, you know, not their mind share. So but Maybe that's a great opportunity for AMD and Intel to finally get their feet under them in a way that really puts pressure uh, and forces kind of a situation that we see on the CPU side. So you know what? Uh, it may be painful in the short term for some of us who are hoping to get our hands on more current gen stuff uh, at more affordable prices, but we could be having a very different conversation about this in three years, five years. Competition. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, competition is good. And also, Adam, I will say I'm basing most of that on the headlines and the YouTube thumbnails and the, the quick reads on Reddit. You may say people don't think that's going to happen, but there are there's definitely people that are, you know, screaming that, you know, they're going to they're going to abandon us. Right. And how else can you take a headline or, you know, a post that says they're going to abandon us to not mean they don't care, right? So I, I haven't, I personally haven't seen those headlines. So once again, well, I, well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's entertain that. I think, I think that's pretty ridiculous, but let's say it did come to pass that NVIDIA suddenly said, hey, we can make a hundred billion dollars a quarter doing AI. We don't need gamers anymore. What happens then? AMD and Intel come in and swoop up on all the price points that, that right. uh, NVIDIA has abandoned. And you've still got that choice. You've still got companies that want to compete in that space. 
because PC gaming is still the number one space for gaming in the world if you don't count mobile, and I don't. <laughs> oh, fighting words. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, hey, AMD's in all the consoles. You know, that, that wouldn't that wouldn't yeah, change just... either. So. I, I was going to use my analogy here that I've, I've used before. I'll bring it up again. I don't know if everybody's ever heard it, but it's. Oh, here we go. I, I liken it. I liken. I liken the average person, average gamer, for some reason, to like the ones that are concerned about this. I know Adam was like, "Oh, I haven't seen that." I okay. Well, you know, I have. So not that they're completely going away. I'm seeing people saying that they've got the eye off the ball. <laughs> But not that they're completely leaving GeForce. You've really, you've literally seen headlines and YouTube videos saying that they're going to stop making gaming GPUs. Well, when you see a headline that says, you know, abandoning us, okay, what but the hell does th- that that's mean, different. Right? I'm I'm I, I'm, I'm going to nitpick here, but that's different. <laughs> so it's a little bit different because they can it, still make I... gaming GPUs and then just leave us in the corner to you know cry about it. <laughs> but you know, as again, like Michael pointed out, like. You you know what you get off your gas here and AMD or Intel are right there they they definitely want to they want to eat into that I don't know, multi billion dollar market for gaming GPUs so so that makes zero sense but I mean I I know I will say I I feel like sometimes it's like um it's like re, you know I've never been in a relationship like this but I've seen it on reality TV <laughs> and that is oh boy. you're in a relationship with somebody and they are just like. Totally like, who are you talking to? Who are you texting? It's like, I'm texting work. I'm calling work. You know, and like, and then they just like, like this hyper jealous, crazy person that like, if you have any other relationship outside of them, like you're not the center of their entire world, they just freak out. So I, I just kind of liken it to that because I, I just don't, I just think there's enough, there's a big enough pie and they can do other things. And as long as they make competitive products that are worth you paying money for over an AMD or Intel card, that's the only damn thing that matters to me. Like, if they can make other things in their business that make them money and that goes into whatever, to me, it's just like, I just don't think the whole freak out is is really, it's, it's just not valid right now. I'd have to wait till we get proof, right? And there is really no proof of that. It's just everybody just immediately freaking out and saying, Oh, that's it. You know, and that really is kind of the whole thing that you're seeing on the internet. That's the automatic reaction you're seeing in YouTube comments and Reddit and everybody just on Twitter. And I, I, I think it's just kind of silly because who the hell abandons a multi-billion dollar market to their competitors that are ready to scoop it up? It just, it just doesn't make any sense. I think you might also be seeing the, the loudest part of this particular discussion that might not be the most, the most accurate kind. Because you, you, if you're basing your, your position of what everyone is thinking on YouTube thumbnails. <laughs> well, and, and you're Gordon Mo. And Twitter and Reddit. Wow, wow. Carter just Twitter, coming Reddit, in here was headlines. like, boom. <laughs> some truth for you. He's coming on some Gordon's podcast. Some practicality for you. <laughs> Gordon, I feel like what you've just said, to sum up for everybody, you have just told the entirety of the internet to go get therapy. <laughs> Not entirely, because I mean, clearly, some people are like whatever, you know. And, and again, I, I do think the vast majority don't even know. They don't even pay attention. They buy the card, they buy the brand they want, they play their game, and that is that is actually a very large part of people that buy hardware. <laughs> and they just they don't know. They just buy they buy this because they always buy it, and they play their game. Their game plays. It's now slow, and now I need to buy something newer. And that is actually a very very large part of the market yeah. that just does not. 
get on Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube comments and just scream bloody murder all day. Really? So. Really, to me, the more concerning thing, if, if hypothetically, if NVIDIA were to say, peace out, everybody, we think that our resources could be better spent over here because it'll make us more money, and then we're left to AMD and Intel to fill the, you know, the remaining space that opens up. I think people should be less concerned about NVIDIA just leaving and more about the idea that less competition means less innovation. You know, like I feel like if the outrage is there or the concern is there that you're saying, I think the the focus is slightly on the wrong part of the uh, the picture. Yeah, I mean, it is because, yeah, no kidding when NVIDIA is going to be able to make way more money on AI right now. You know, it's the classic, you strike with irons hot. So I, I imagine that's where, and we've all worked at companies where you don't get the resources you want. And, you know, and this is the interesting thing. You, we could look at many, many times before where a company thinks we've got a lock up here. Our competitors are basically, our competitors don't even exist. They suck so badly. <laughs> it's really hard for your department to get more money, to spend more money, to put your competitor that is not even a competitor even further, farther back behind you. So we all work in those companies where they say, let's work on the things that we can make more money at. We're already making money at this. There's no point in, in, in slaughtering them anymore, right? So it, it can potentially, it could entirely potentially lead to them getting off the gas, right? We, we don't now, know. Now, I think there's a legitimate concern from somebody that NVIDIA in, in a sort of mirror of a lot of the car companies out there who are just not making cars in the $20,000 to $25,000 range, because they can sell everything they can build at $40,000, $50,000, why not do that? NVIDIA might be in a position where they're saying, hey, we're selling every card we can make from $900 to $1,500. We no longer care about your $200, $300 card. AMD and Intel can have that market, can have those margins. But if you're somebody who wants a $300 NVIDIA card because you're comfortable with that system because you like their software, you're out of luck. And and, and that sucks. But uh, but that seems like a, a legitimate decision they might be on the cusp of making. I mean, hey, yeah. uh, if, if you look at all the reviews for this generation, 4090, awesome. The rest down the stack, eh. So I'm sure they're looking at me like, well, crap, let's just keep making 4090s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they yeah. become a boutique brand. I mean... Uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things. Yeah, that whole, that part of the market is just going to possibly change forever, right? Especially when you're looking at APUs and what Intel has coming. You know, with this tiled graphics too. So it, it feels like to me. I think I said this like that, like that ten fifty ten. You know, like those GT seven thirty cards, those seventy five dollar throwaway GPUs. That that entirely it looks like it's mostly gone to me given up to integrated graphics from AMD and Intel. So anyway, but yeah, we, we should wrap up Computex cause we're, oh, uh, we're, right, we're, right, we're in and we, we've got other stuff to talk about. Anything else from Computex real quickly or. I love this idea of flat uh, pack cases. <laughs> I think it's so cool. Um, the idea that you're getting a fully modular case because um, I feel like that opens up possibilities and I'm very excited to see if this takes off as a trend and if uh, companies are able to do some unique, innovative things with it. 
Um, I'm hoping that if it does, it remains more of a niche thing because I I do not want to IKEA everything in my life. You know, <laughs> like I do want the option to be default to you get the case ready made. Wait, wait, you're saying you like the idea, but then you don't? I like the idea. I don't want it to become the default. <sighs> yeah, I, I think the way you do it is you, you make it the default and then you sell it as a feature. <laughs> and up, up right. charge. Well, no, because Gordon. it's That's no, what because, I'm afraid of. Well, of course, it's because like, oh, look, you get to build your own case. Well, before you used to build it for me. Why am I paying you the same amount of money and, and I'm now building it with my labor? That's oh, what I mean. Yeah, and I, I'm entirely, if somebody can pull that off, because the fact is shipping isn't getting any cheaper, and if you could ship, you know, 10 times as many cases in a container as you could a built case, you could definitely see some people who are like, oh, okay, we need to do it. But then I think the nice thing, I think the good thing you can look at there, Elena, because it probably would become the default, is then there will be innovation around making it better. Because ideally, the first ones that do it are going to be bad, and then it'll get better, and then somebody will like, oh, let's really make it so like, you you pull the case, it's flat packed, but it's not 400 screws to put this. In. Like, we've all built IKEA furniture. It's the worst thing in the world. It could be just so simply bad. like a fold, like a pop-up case, like those like instant pop-up tents. Like you pull this case out and it's like, and it just pops itself up, right? So there could be some, there could be some advantage there. Of, although you have to offset the savings that you're getting from flat shipping them to now engineering and making all that, the mechanical engineering to make it so you can make this casing and get it at the same price, so. We'll see how excited I am once they finally announce prices, though. So the the one I have in mind predominantly is the Cooler Master Cube 500. Uh, but they haven't announced prices yet. It's not coming out till September. So they said, yeah, they're going to set it a little bit closer to that date. And so if this case is like $200, we're going to be like, yeah, well, okay. Well, that was fun while it lasted in terms of being excited about it. All right. Anyway, we should talk about Gordon's favorite topic. Well, uh, b- before that, uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, Silverstone. Uh, Elena, do you like small form factor power supplies? I mean, yeah. Do you like using them, I guess, is, is the better question? I mean, yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. Very ha- they're very handy. Well, very well, one of the things that we were talking about at the Silverstone booth, uh, they, they were talking about their, their newest small form factor power supply, which is the SX-1000R Platinum. Uh, you know, and it's got, uh, all the, all the, all the SFX 12 V 4.0, uh, updates. Uh, and the, the idea is that they're, they're like, now we're getting so much wattage in these small form factor power supplies. Like it's wild, <laughs> especially with the, with the, uh, the ATX 4.0, uh, updates. It's, it's quieter. It's got the, the 12 volt high power cable, all that stuff. Uh, have you used a small form factor power supply with 12 volt high power yet? Or a, yeah, built in a small four factor no, case. I haven't had the uh, opportunity to work uh, with uh, newer graphics cards. It it is actually pretty nice to just have one small little cable in a small four factor build going to your GPU. Uh, you know, as opposed to three eight pin power cables. So that is nice. Uh, Gordon, you saw this power supply at Computex. Really, really compact. It's, it's impressive you get that much power in something so small. Yeah, and they're using Japanese capacitors, so you know they're. You the gotta best. have those. Yeah, 
okay. anyway, uh, it, it, it's an awesome power supply. They, they did send one over. I, I do plan on doing a, a small form factor build. I want to do a build in the Terra. I'm probably going to use it in there. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, definitely look forward to it. Uh, and, and thank you for, for to Silverstone for, for sponsoring this episode and sponsoring some of the videos out of Computex. Always good cool. to work with Silverstone, and, and, uh, and I appreciate them helping us get to the show. So uh, anyway, yes, Elena? Uh, I was going to say, like, okay, uh, I realized I, I didn't actually know that Silverstone was sponsoring this episode, like, like legitimately did not know. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, that's actually really, like, I actually have been really enjoyed using some of Silverstone's um, small form factor uh, power supplies. And it's super exciting to hear that we're getting to a point now where we can get such high wattage out of such a small form factor. Like, I mean, this, they're not the only ones who are doing high wattage power, small form factor power supplies, but I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, they... very nice to build with one soon. Yeah, they're they're not the only ones, but they definitely are the leader in small form factor power supplies for over ten years. Uh, don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, speaking of leaders in the tech space, Apple had a uh, had a keynote. <laughs> Gordon just choked on himself. Uh, <laughs> Gordon, did did you get a chance to watch uh, Tim Cook? Uh, you know, kind of, kind of bring out all these amazing new technological features on stream uh, yeah i mean it's they're happy i mean they're they're proud because they basically finally dumped intel overboard because they mac pro with a m2 ultra i don't even know ultra max i don't know what the hell it is ultra but. yeah and then they have that macbook air 15 that is you know basically a, a big ass i mean they probably would would bristle at this but it's their take on lg gram in a lot of ways because lg gram is um basically an ultralight laptop doesn't have laptop. you know traditionally would have a discrete gpu it didn't have a discrete gpu it's just i i i would call it the chromebook experience running windows in a lot of ways because you just want a big screen you want to you know you, you want that real estate and you don't really need all the power i mean this we, is probably we have, midway between that yeah we we have seen i mean laptops like the lg gram I, I know lenovo had one where it's like a, a 17 inch laptop with like you know pretty pretty modest right. specs or not even a dedicated gpu because you're like hey you know what right. you're not doing power stuff on here you just need a big screen lightweight i actually kind of like that they did that that was i didn't yeah. really watch the whole show uh so when i saw like oh okay well that makes sense a, a bigger air I, I could see people appreciating that yeah it's like three uh 3.3 pounds maybe 12 mil sub 12 millimeter so extremely thin I mean, a pretty, again, a very nice, you know, Apple premium prices, you get premium experience, so pretty nice. Performance, they're kind of, you know, usual Apple-ness. Uh, they said it was 12x faster than the than the Intel-based MacBook Air they made. By the way, that's a 10-gen Ice Lake. 10-gen Ice Lake laptop made in 2020. <laughs> they didn't compare to, like, the original M1. Um, MacBook Air or MacBook or the uh, original or the 13-inch MacBook Air because the performance uplift would not be that impressive, and I I would say you could even say that 12x performance up increase yeah some things I can see it because you're looking at a quad core ice lake, but there's a lot of things where honestly it's not going to be significantly faster than that ice lake um, MacBook Air either for. So, you know, that's just kind of marketing speak. They did try to uh, 
you know, punch PCs in the face by saying it's twice as fast as the most popular 15-inch PC laptop. And uh, I, you know, they don't actually say what that laptop is. Yeah, okay. (laughs) They didn't say what it is. Is it 11th gen? Is it 12th gen? Is it 13th gen? Because it was only Intel they're picking on. Is it a Chromebook? (laughs) And they also, they did say it was Iris, so it didn't have discrete graphics. It's like, well, how many 15-inch... How many 15-inch PC laptops do not have just some form of discrete graphics? I would say that's more rare because most of them do because you're looking at 15.6-inch laptop. Most of them have discrete graphics. Hmm. So I have no idea how they generate the numbers twice as fast. Sure, certainly M2 is pretty impressive, some things. And there's also probably plenty of things that a current 13th gen or 12th gen would probably kick the crap out of an M2 into. So it's just kind of like... Like it's it's kind of crazy to me that they 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 have the M2 Ultra, but I swear to God, it doesn't have AV1 encode, and even kind of crazier, it doesn't even have AV1 decode. I don't think because it's basically using the same M2 cores, so and the same media engine. Does it have? Does it finally have AV1 decode? I mean, which is kind of nutty because like <laughs> AV1 decode has been on. Intel and AMD for a while now, right? So it is it is nutty to have a laptop and a professional workstation that doesn't have AV1 encode. And I don't think it does. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's just kind of one of those wacky things that all Apple people will gloss over because it's from Apple, right? So, But the exciting thing, though, is the IVR, or whatever the hell it is. What's it called? I don't know. IVR? <laughs> the Apple Vision Pro is, is the brand name. Is it VR or AR, though? That's one thing I'm yes. not I'm, it's it's mixed reality, right? Like that failed, fizzled Microsoft mixed reality thing they were pushing for a while. Hololens yes, it's that do. plus about five or six years. Well, the not thing is, Hololens. Yeah, but, but the it, ones that all the OEMs were pushing. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's mixed reality. It's not AR because you you are still looking at screens. You're not you're not mm. you're you. I mean, you're seeing pass through cameras, but the, you're not actually seeing through the lenses. So oh, okay. like. Well, yeah. and, I mean, it like, depends like on how you, lens. how you define it. Yeah, well, but, but HoloLens, you're still literally seeing the world. You just have yeah. screens in front of you that are projecting. That I would call that AR, personally. Mixed reality, yeah, yeah. for me, would be the, oh, you've got the nice pass-through, but it's still projecting cameras onto your eyes like you're looking out into the world. You're not actually looking out into the world. It's, I it's thought it does, though. Doesn't it actually do similar to what HoloLens does and being able to place Look, objects? No. no, 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 no. It's it's full screens in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. opaque. See, see, we're mm. we're getting confused because yes, you can see the world. It'll pass through the cameras that are on the front, so you can see the world in front of you. And you can, I mean, they they the pitch was, oh, you're putting, uh, you know, you're putting objects in the world and you're seeing through it. I'm just talking about the the actual optical layers. You're looking at screens rather than looking oh. through the world. Well, I did everybody just laugh cuz everybody laughed like when they announced the price. Everybody just like, "What?" I, yeah. The, I, the way they said that the way they announced the price is like, "Well, and how much does it cost if you had to buy a television and you had to buy surround sound speakers? And then you had to buy the house to put that in. And then you had to buy the car to drive to your house to put that in. That would cost way more. This is $3500. Like, what the hell? $3500 for this? It was like, "What?" <laughs> Right, and it was just like, what the hell is like? I, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, why would you count buying the the TV for that? It's just, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that was silly. The, the one question I have is that they're calling this the Pro. Does that mean that there's a non-Pro version? Like they're starting with the high end and they'll have a lower end version? Or they're just calling it Pro because they like to call everything Pro? Uh, pro yeah. doesn't mean anything, I yeah, guess. But. So. So, oh, I did, I did wonder, though, if like, oh, oh, hey, they will come out with a more entry-level pricing one down the road. I, I think it's, it's a very distinct possibility that they do exactly that. Because they know they're not going to sell a million of these things at $3,500. It's just not – Apple is not stupid. They understand the markets of this. They, two or three years later, they could do one at $1,000 that doesn't have a lot of the fancy capability and drop and cut the pro off of it and call that. Because they've invested billions of dollars in this. They are in it for several years at the very least. Yeah. I just – I don't know. It- the price seemed like a non-starter to me. It's just sort of like, because they were definitely pushing very consumer-focused applications. Like sitting there, you know, like a multi-screen uh, VR thing where you could like have multiple screens, high-resolution high high screens in front of you. And that's actually kind of what I'm interested in because at the price they picked, which is insane, frankly, I mean, maybe they actually have the screen panel technology to make that vision of being able to work on a VR screen actually usable because every time I get sold that line from everybody over the last 10 years, Oh, you can, it's like having a giant full screen, like an 80 inch TV in front of you, or it's like having a great big giant monitor in front of you. And then you put it on is like, uh, no, this isn't, this is so low res. It's horrible. Right? So I'm, I, I am hoping that people who try it and let's just hopefully haven't like, they haven't sniffed too much like glue at the at the Apple event that they like they actually believe it because I really hope that if they're really pitching this as do excel on a large screen in front of you, if that experience really matches what you're gonna get out of a five K Apple panel, okay. But if it's short of that, it's just gonna be the most disappointing thing ever. And uh we'll have to see. We have to again we have to wait for early feedback, early reviews, but you know, I've been sold that line of goods by a lot of companies many, many, many times. And it's I'm sure everybody here has too. It's always disappointing, right? Those those experiences suck. I, I, I will say I, I'm not worried about the resolution because I, I feel like even on the, the, the newer headsets, uh, you know, PC based headsets, like the the resolution isn't that much of a factor. I think what's gonna be a hard smack in the face of Apple people who have never tried VR yet is the field of view. Because they didn't talk about the field of view, and and when they, I mean, especially if you look at the commercial, that you know they put the headset on, and then all of a sudden you're just seeing the whole room, and you're like, oh wow, the, you know, my field of view is just just huge. I, I wonder what the field of view is like, especially because you know if you're you're supposed to be like, okay, well I've got you know three big things that I'm working on, but the field of view is only actually this tight, and you can only really see so much at one time. I think that's going to be the more harsh reality. Uh, for for people and ones that they just didn't talk about because they talked about like the density of the screen even on the presentation so i bet the den- the screen density is going to be fine uh, really yeah but you know you know what i'm talking about because they say you can use it for productivity like would you really tra- trade your large 4k panel for it is kind of what that's that's the line i have to see cross well, and, and, and then, it's hard and, to believe that they have that resolution. And they were like, oh, you know, just control everything with your hand. But uh, you know what? There are some times where you need the mouse and keyboard, <laughs> which just felt like a weird like in-between of like, oh, wait. <laughs> like, yeah. 
So uh, also so, uh, some people are reporting uh, that the the battery life is only two hours. Uh, and you got to put what? that. I think little... they said that at some point. Did yeah. they? Okay. And you, and you got to put that little pack in your pocket. It, it, that but felt... that's that's untethered. You can plug it into a, a laptop and get basically unlimited. Yeah. I mean, but that's also. Just, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know. You know who's going to be using it that way, especially when you don't. I I thought it was like plugging in maybe to a phone or maybe the the guts mm-hmm. the like the actual computing power was in the the external little box. Uh, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, maybe you plug kind of like the Quest, right? You have the option. It's got the onboard uh, mm-hmm. computing. But if you plug into a computer, oh, you get, you know, even more computing power. I I thought maybe they were going to allow that. But, yeah. Maybe. Well, does it have any onboard? Like, because do you actually have to have a phone or a Mac no, to do a, your productivity? A, there's an M1 inside. So, yeah, all, all the all the, the computing power is happening on the headset itself. No. I mean the computing power for display, but can you run a browser on yes. the device? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Quest style. It can do standalone, and then it can also—I don't know if it was wired or wireless—but it can also talk to a Mac computer, and you can pull up your screens that you're using there. Well, what do you need the Mac for if you've got the screens and the computing in it? Then? That's a good question, Gordon. <laughs> I because you're also going to have your iPhone and your Apple Watch and your earbuds mm. and. Uh, the whole, the whole ecosystem. They they want you to have all. And, and I'm sorry, it was, it's an M2 in it, not an M1. Um, or R1, I thought they called it the R1 for this. Well, they had both. So the the mm-hmm. M2 does the processing. The R the R1 does the like the lower end management between the like the cameras and the right. like syncing all the signals and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. Um, anyway, we also we got a, a two Canadian or two 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 dollar and 20 cent Canadian uh, from Skeet Sayer, friend of the show Skeet Sayer. Thank you so much. Said, why are we talking about Apple on a PC podcast? Because you have to, because the gravity, the gravity well of Apple means every, all everybody must talk about it. It's just like the movie, the black hole. You just try to avoid it. You're going to get sucked into it. You got to talk and, about it. And in fairness, uh, Apple, what Apple does can influence what we end up seeing on the PC side, right? Like you, I'm sure you all remember when Apple came out and they were like, so do you like computers that have no ports on them? Because we have a laptop for you. And then what do we see from Asus and other manufacturers? You get a 12 inch laptop that has only one freaking port on it. So Thankfully, we abandoned that. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I, it, I didn't happens. see, I, I mean, there wasn't too much hardware wise or, or, or even software wise to a certain degree that I that I saw that I was like, oh, wow, they don't do that anywhere else. I guess really the biggest thing was the whole scan your face before you put it on and then it projects <sighs> your face on the front uh, or uses your face facial scan like during phone calls. Like that's the only stuff I, uh, you know, w- was like, oh, okay, well, that's definitely different. Nobody else in the market is doing that. Uh, yeah, because it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. They, they did a deep face of of your face, and they want you to use that with real people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember very specifically in the demo, they have the the user wearing the headset, talking to people via FaceTime. Three other people in this chat who don't have headsets, and they wait for. 20 or 25 minutes in the presentation to reveal, oh, they're seeing this horrible digital corpse doll thing of your face. 
that oh is that God. is reacting to what you're saying and how you're moving. And the, <laughs> the same tech is what they put on the front facing screen that shows a digital copy of your eyes to all the people around you, staring small children. <laughs> One would have to assume. Uncanny Valley much? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, you know, that's funny because NVIDIA was pushing that too as kind of, what you know, AI-based, you know, video conferencing. And I, I'm i not sure any of it's ever going to go anywhere. Like, that looks so much worse, so much more disquieting than the meta crazy thing of, of we're going to, to all work with Nintendo me avatars. I, it's different, right? I mean, I, I like... Yeah, ha- having an avatar versus like being like, oh, well, we're going to do a deep fake of yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, the tech is cool. I, I think mm-hmm. the tech is cool for sure. But yeah, like it, it's it's going to it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. <laughs> but is this where we walk in and ask like you uh, you were so busy thinking about if you could do it, you didn't ask yourself <laughs> if you should do it? Yeah. All right, I, I came on here to be to be the the argument for the defense, and I'm I'm very pro VR and pro AR, if not necessarily this implementation of it. Um, so I think I think there's there's incredible amounts of growth for both both of these technologies. I think the idea of you sitting down either in your home or your office to do eight hours worth of work with a headset strapped to your face is never going to happen. Nobody wants that. Nobody that doesn't solve any problems that anyone has. Yeah, and, and that is uh, we are pointing out as Michael pointed out. He we originally originally the idea was here is is Michael is the is cautiously optimistic on the future of AR and VR, and I I am far more pessimistic of it now to be honest. So, I, I think it's a natural evolution of of user interfaces. I mean, we've seen it from original text based going into graphical user interfaces, going into mice, going into touch, and then haptics. Every time you have a big shift forward, it gets closer to a much more human experience, and you don't have anything more immediate or human than having something right in front of your eyes, with with the very obvious exception of people who are vision impaired. Um, Apple understands that the potential of this, and I think that they're putting in all this time, all this money, for a product that at thirty five hundred dollars is not going to sell much, because they're waiting for the big shift. They want they they want to be ready when we make that shift into ubiquitous, I think augmented more than virtual reality. Um, I always like to point back to the the demo, the video demo that the Google Glass did that was not indicative of the actual real Google Glass at all, but the video they showed of this guy going through his day with augmented reality and all these incredibly useful and incredibly immediate ways. And that's still something I believe in and something that I want and that will eventually arrive and I think that's the future that Apple is waiting for, preparing for, will and hopes to be there to be the iPhone of that technology when it arrives. Well, since uh, Michael is being the uh, the pro AR VR person, <laughs> I am finding myself forced to um, pour cold water on this and Question. simply say, put your science fiction novel down. <laughs> we are not going to get there. There's like, it's on the horizon. It's going to be on this horizon for potentially our entire lifetimes. And it just feels like every single initiative for AR and VR is flopped. It's flopped hard, costing companies hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars. And it's just going nowhere, man. It's just going nowhere. I mean, I say this as someone who paid 
real money for, you know, an, an index, a, a valve index. If I could go back in time and tell Gordon to never buy that valve index, I'd probably say, yeah, you know, $1,000 could have bought a lot of other things that would have been used more than 40 hours in the last two years we've had it. It's just not going anywhere. And I'm not sure that this thing is going to do it either. I, I, just, I, just, I just don't know if the appetite is here. And, yeah, I know, I know we are going to get there. I know we, we will one day live on Mars, and we will one day leave our solar system. But that may not be for generations and generations. So I just think getting people to put money down on this hardware now is it's just a hard sell. I just it's it's a science fiction novel at this point, and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. Because let me point out that at the end of the day, after I don't know how long have we had keyboards on our computers, we still have keyboards on our computers. Aren't we just going to get to natural language? Aren't we just going to speak to our computers and tell them what to do, like Star Trek, and tell them what to do? Sure, one day. But I ain't holding my breath for it, and I ain't putting my money on it because it ain't going to happen because these things are dumb as hell. They don't work. And it's just like a, a false promise. They get us to try to kick that football over and over and over again. And the amount of e-waste from all of these companies that have been spent in AR and VR that I have, literally, that they've made and they've given up on and they were pretty cool, just kind of tells me that this is going nowhere fast. So, Sorry. Nowhere seems a strong word, phrase, though, Gordon. I've, I'm, as usual, more in the middle of these two positions. I, I think it's valuable for humans to aspire to something different, right? Like, we have things like smartphones and tablets because somebody, more than one somebody, but people were influenced by by TV series like the one that is in your background because they saw things like pads and tricorders, right? And so that that plants the seed of, you know, hmm, what could be in our future? Like, I'd love to see this become a reality. At the same time, I think that we, if you dig back far enough in history, you'll see that people try to do things that we now take for granted, but they just didn't have the technology at the time to actually make happen, right? And in that in that regard, I would agree that I I'm not a fan of VR, and and I think AR has more potential personally, but I don't I don't feel like they're they're going about it in a way that actually would get it to a, to get traction. Right. People buy things because they're useful, like they they do the thing that they're like going to do and they do it well and consistently. So even if even if that utility is entertainment, right, it has to do it really well. Like you can't always be making excuses for it or saying like, oh, if you just do this, this will happen. Or like, yeah, it only has two hours of battery life. But if you like make sure you sit on a schedule, like it'll always like, you know, work out. Like people don't want that. Like we're lazy. Things come up in life. We want it to work well and seamlessly, right? And so I I personally am still waiting for the day where something like the initial HoloLens demo they showed becomes a reality. To me, that is the real value in something like Google Glass or HoloLens, um, any kind of, you know, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality placed on top of our normal existence. But otherwise, like I am a very, I'm, a, I'm human. Like I like tangible things. Like to me, if... 
voice recognition when I'm talking to Google Docs is not accurately capturing what I'm saying. I'm spending way more emotional energy and time trying to fix that as opposed to me just doing my standard, put my hands on a keyboard and actually type that thing out. People didn't adopt the whole like um, the touch keyboard from the Microsoft Surface as much because it just was weird. Like you just didn't get that tactile feedback the way you were expecting. You would miss keys, things like that. So there's like that hurdle to overcome. And until they do that well, we're, I just don't think it's going to be more than something that allows you to dream, right? To like see a glimpse into the future that, you know, may stir your heart and make you feel like, yeah, like we're on the verge of cool stuff. But I here and now, okay. So slight, like small tight tangent. Yesterday I was driving somewhere. And I'm behind this car that very obviously is one of those like self-driving learning vehicle type things. And I was like, why does this censored keep putting on their left turn signal? Like there's like, are you trying like, cause like so far in San Francisco, they've all been manned or like they've all had a person inside to kind of override the car. Right. And I'm like, are you trying to teach this car something? Because it's not learning fast enough. And it is, it is worse than dealing with a new driver. Like this is a kind of erratic that makes no sense to a human. Right. And it keeps doing this weird stuff where like it would shift lanes kind of weird. And then it would like put on the, like the wrong turn signal again. And I was just like, I, I don't want to deal with this. I have to deal with bicyclists. This is like a part of Market Street that I or I don't really don't want to be on to begin with. I got like other cars, weird intersections, and now I got to deal with this. And finally, it veers off into this other lane, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna drive. I'm gonna do that drive by. You know, the one we all do when we're behind a driver we don't like, where you're like, you just like start going by and you just casually turn your head because you're like, who are you? I just I just need to know who you are. <laughs> There's no one in the seat, and I was like. Why have this on the road? I, I don't want to deal with this stuff. And that's like my that's my same feeling about VR headsets. Like I do not want something that's gonna be strapped to my face for hours. I'm gonna be sweating. I don't even sweat that much. I'm gonna still gonna be sweating. It's gonna get gross and damp. And then I'm just gonna have literally like a screen the whole time. Like I can't stare off into the distance and try to think about whatever problem I'm having with a, a spreadsheet or a piece of uh phrasing in a story i'm working on like these aren't i think you even said it yesterday Kreider. you're like this is a this is an answer to a problem nobody like a solution for a problem that nobody has that's what it feels like to me i hate to i hate to crap on something that is the stuff of science fiction but it's like when's it gonna work that's my question when's it gonna work i'm done now <laughs> well i, I... <laughs> I, I have feelings, apparently. <laughs> I guess I'm not as I guess I'm not as uh, moderated about this as I thought. Yeah, right. I, I was about to say I was like, eh, it's not a very middling take. <laughs> no, it actually sounds like you would agree with me that uh, no. Well, yeah. My my feeling is, I, you can dream all you want, just dream with somebody else's money because it ain't gonna be money. <laughs> well, no one's no one's forcing you to buy this, yeah. and and like like I said, almost no one is going to buy a thirty five hundred dollar headset. Um, but I think if Apple is not infallible, but also is not stupid, uh, if they didn't see a very clear, very mass market future for this technology, they wouldn't be building the platform that they're building. Yeah, this this feels very un-Apple-like, where usually Apple is very late to the game, right? Usually they, they mm -hmm. take their time to jump into something, and then they're like, oh, okay, we're we're here first, uh, you know, because we 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 did it the best. Uh, this feels very early, where it's like, uh, wait, 
this is still like very early tech. Why are, why are you guys jumping in right now? I'm not quite sure, I don't but know. this, I this mean, feels like a Newton instead of an iPhone. Is what yeah, yeah. If you, like, yeah, because I mean, the iPhone, like, I mean, they weren't <laughs> the first to come to the, you know, the smartphone thing, of course, but they were one of the best ones to do it. And they, you know, and obviously, I mean, the price at the beginning was was higher, uh, but I mean, the idea was. I mean, kind of the same thing with the iPod, right? They weren't the first ones to, mm. to portable music players, but when they did get in it, they they had a good product. This one, same. This one feels different. This one doesn't feel like, oh man, everyone's doing it. When is Apple going to do it? I can't wait. You know, this is more like, oh, Apple's getting into this, huh? Okay, well, huh? That means they they think maybe this is a thing. Uh, I don't know, but I I I think there's also we're talking about a couple different problems here, right? Mm-hmm. You inherently have people who who are not comfortable using this kind of stuff, no matter what implementation it is. Like, like a, a Elena, I, I don't want to speak for her cause she, she stepped out, but you know, there, there, I know there are some people who just aren't comfortable wearing it, who will get motion sick. So no matter what iteration it is, it doesn't matter. They just like, like my wife's the same way. Like she, I've tried to have her put on some of the best headsets out there and she's just like, uh, I, I, I can't do it. You know? So I think there's an inherent nature of just using the thing, right? There's the cost, which no matter what iteration you have right now, the cost is still, you know, like it, it's still an, a niche kind of thing. Uh, I, I'd say the the closest thing was maybe when when you could take your Samsung phone and strap it in a a piece of plastic, like the so the cost was pretty low there because you already had the phone, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't a good experience. Google did one made out of card warmer that was practically free. Same same thing, not, right? Not really a, a comparable experience. Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. So I I mean, and we like to say that this around here that there's not no such thing as a bad product, but a bad price, right? Like if this headset came out and it was fifty dollars. Oh crap! You know a lot of people are going to buy this, right? But then it it at the end of the day, it comes down to content. Like to Gordon's point, man, do I ever see myself editing a, a video in something like this? Like I could I could try that now with the headsets I have, but I like I I don't know why I would. Like what what do I get out of that that I don't get just sitting at a computer like this? So you know I I think there's that. So then inherently how I use it, because I, I, I do use my Quest still often, and it, it's for games, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, if there's like interesting gaming experiences, but that's the other thing is that there's not, there's not a ton of interesting gaming experiences that I'm like, oh man, I, got, I can't wait to play this new game that, that came out. So it, it, it's like all these, all these problems, like I actually think the tech is the least problem right now. Because uh, like I, I think the processing is is nice. The 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 actual screens themselves are nice. Like the comfort can be there for sure. So I actually think the tech is pretty far along compared to the other things of like getting people comfortable even just wearing it. The kind of content you want to do in it, and then the content that that is interesting. Just there's not enough of it. So it yeah. is a, it is a very strange launch because it, it feels like if you were to use your Newton analogy. For people who don't know, and I actually have a Newton somewhere here. A Newton was basically an early PDA. It was pen-based. It was quite amazing for its time. Um, groundbreaking technology went nowhere, as did all pen-based technology. Pen-based technology died years and years ago because, frankly, there's no way you could ever understand everybody's handwriting. And it just went nowhere. To me, this is like... And with the state of VR today, 
NAR. It's like introducing the Newton after it was clear that all pen-based PDAs had died. Like, it's almost like, well, well, hell, we spent a billion dollars on this. Let's just introduce it anyway and see if it sticks. Yeah, but and, I, like, I, I understand why you think VR is dead, but uh, like, it is not dead. It is well, still around. Like, I mean, there's definitely, like, sure, they're not making hand over fist money on it. But, I mean, it's kind of like analog photography, right? There's still an industry of people who like to still shoot on film. I, I'm sorry, Gordon, like there is like Polaroid film. Like, I mean, if you look at some of the best sold cameras on Amazon right now, it's those little Fuji Instax. You know what I mean? So like, I, I know you're, you're shaking your head, but like they make a lot of money by selling. St- statistically. No, they, like- no, 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 no. I know. But that's the difference between you saying film is dead versus, oh no, it's still there. There's just a nice little industry. It doesn't need to be the hugest thing in the world because same thing with VR. It's not dead. There's a little industry there, and and it's not you know the huge thing at the the end of the world, but it's still there. It's not dead. Uh, so you know, like I like that. That's the other thing is that like there's still people who record audio on those whatever those early waxed impression things. I'm sure, Adam, right? <laughs> Are there? Yes, I'm sure there's one person, maybe twelve. Who record on early uh, wax and go into the extremes? No, but that one. is that is true. If right, your going definition to the is, <laughs> if your definition of any microbial life is life, I, no, I'm that, that's not, not my definition. So sure that's... I'm saying that <laughs> that you, you're making it sound like VR needs to be the biggest thing ever to actually matter, but no, it doesn't. It, it it's a small part of of life, and it doesn't need to be the next hugest thing that we're all going to buy and just all going to love. Like, it's just a small thing. Like, that's why, like, the Apple thing feels weird because usually they get into things that are probably going to be a huge part of our life, right? It, before the smartphone, did we think our phones were going to literally take over our lives like this? No, but, you know, like, the Apple probably didn't either. They they got into it pretty late, and now they're one of the biggest smartphone manufacturers out there. You know, and I, I, if, same thing when you think about the watch or the, the, the HomePod, like, hey, everybody needs some sort of audio device, well, right? But I would say, I would say that the the direction that smartphones is going in when Apple got into it and everybody was making smartphones on Windows CE and Palm OS was like this. Would you say VR is going like this, Adam? Like this, or like this? <laughs> and I would say definitely VR feels like it's this. It's going this way. I know you're, you're saying it feels is, like, but that's, I mean, that's the root of the thing. You're saying it feels like, but not everyone else is saying that. So I, 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 I did a poll and it's, it's, a, it's about 50-50. It's about 50-50. So between our, our little, you know, segment of people who are listening here, they're, they're about 50-50 on is VR dead. So, you know. I don't think VR is dead. I don't think it's dead at all. I think How do you define just, life? <laughs> well, if you're on life support, you are still alive. You yes, are... yes, you are so... still alive. There's no, there's no activity saying. we're detecting. I'm just. I mean, honestly, there's saying. quality of life issues, but no. Let's I keep would it agree going. That there, you could make a case that there are quality of life issues that have not been addressed yet, still for VR. Um, oh, and the bill. You want how... the bill for? Uh, yeah. I would say, though, that plug? it's also fair to say that, you know, what, almost 10 years ago, at least, like, was, like, I feel like around 2014, 2015 is when we were seeing, like, that huge, like, oh, my God, VR, right? So there's this huge spike of interest. Everybody was chasing it. And then there was, like, kind of a big 
drop, right? But mm-hmm. no, people didn't stop, Gordon. They just it just kind of like settled much, much, much lower than where the hype had brought it up to. I'm going to look up 3D television. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can actually still get 3D televisions. Did you know that? Um, I feel like you're about to tell us. Yeah, you can still buy 3D televisions. Um, wait, wait are, are you crapping on 3D televisions? Yes, because nobody <laughs> buys 3D televisions. Whoa, 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 wait, hold on. We did a video at GDC where you, you saw a 3D monitor and you thought it was glass, the best thing since with the glass sliced, sliced bread. With glasses. And, and no, actually, what, uh, that oh, is... Oh, so 3D TVs with glasses. I will okay, say, if, thank, you have thank you 3D, <laughs> if you can do 3D television for multiple people glassless with that same experience, it's pretty damn good. Okay, wait, wait, so then it sounds like you need uh, an asterisk on the VR. So VR isn't dead. Is that asterisk. VR? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying you, you just put the caveat on it. You were like, oh, because initially you were like, oh, yeah, 3D TVs are dead. And then you were like, and well, Adam, a- asterisk, look, uh, glasses, glasses, 3D TVs. So. I, I really love that Asus, Asus has it. Uh, Acer has it. It's glasses VR. It's incredible. Do I think... I want to give my money for it or for you to put your money in or for, do I think it's going to be here in five years? I'm going to put my money on that. I'm going to bet probably not. I wish it would. It's cool technology. And we know what, we know where that goes. You're pretty excited about it. I'll I'll just say we didn't do a video at CES. I have a valve index. We got on the waiting list for the valve index. (laughs) But again, realistically, I can tell you, Man, I don't know. I ain't put my. It just feels like, you know, I, six months ago I would have said no, it wasn't dead. But honestly, I mean, it ain't got much life, is what I'm saying. It's not dead, maybe, maybe not totally dead, but it ain't got much life. It just feels like everything's just flopping. And I'm just thinking about all of these VR headsets I've used, and like there's that Lenovo one, like a lot of really cool things, and they all flop, right? Google spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this with their partners. Microsoft has spent hundreds of millions of dollars with its partners. Ask any of those companies where they would like their hundreds of millions of dollars back. Gordon, real, real quick, <clears throat> you, you've said this before on the podcast, and you've said it to me personally. Uh, when we look at sales of NVIDIA GPUs, right. you know, and there's anecdotal evidence of like, oh, man, there's a ton on the shelf. You know, there's a lot of people out there who say it's a flop and usually tell me or tell the audience do we have hard numbers? We need to look for yep. the evidence. So I would say the same thing to you, Gordon. I know you say it feels like VR is flop, but but we, I haven't seen any hard numbers of a company coming out and saying, hey, you know what? We lost money on this or what? So I would say, you know, let's, well, let's, so let's wait for I numbers. I could definitely argue headlines saying that everybody's saying that Facebook's billion-dollar investment is going nowhere. Right, we know they've canned people on that project. They did I mean, their headline saying anyway. there there was a, a lot of forty eighties on the shelves. These things aren't selling, Gordon. Yeah, but so I saw the loose headlines. When I mean headlines, I mean authoritative headlines, not a headline oh, okay. written on There's somebody else's headline <laughs> based on one store from one country. No, 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 no. Everybody's seeing forty eighties right? on the shelf and forty sixty TIs on the shelf. Like that's. <laughs> That's not just sales figures. What, I, what I'm saying is you, you have to have, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of headlines that would indicate the momentum for VR <laughs> has stalled, right? 
Right now, it's stalled. The plane is stalled in midair, and it is going nowhere. I mean, I, I just don't and know. There's a lot of headlines saying that 40 series is not selling, but usually tell me, hey, you know what? We don't have the answer. No, and you know what? And what I'm saying is you reserve judgment. And I talk to people, believe me, those headlines, I have, there's a, I have a lot of evidence to say that it's correct based on evidence, based on information that I cannot talk about. But when those headlines pushed on somebody, on somebody, talking about somebody, that is not good enough for me to go by. Evidence for me talking to vendors and saying, yeah, there's definitely some of these things are not selling. That's different. What I'm saying is headlines in the Wall Street Journal from reputable places saying, like, this is dead. They've killed this. This is canceled. This is $500 billion down the drain or $500 million down the drain. I take that as evidence that AR and VR is flopping. And I'm, I'm really pessimistic on it right now. I mean, I just don't, I just don't honestly see it Obviously. digging itself out of this hole. I would just like to interject very quickly that towards the beginning of the show, Gordon was referring to YouTube and Reddit as headlines as well. So I am just confused now what a <laughs> no. headline is to Gordon. What? Because also, that is, because that is like what that. is being said. So the headlines <laughs> that are being talked about, right? You, the way to, to, in the modern world, to consume modern media today, you have to consider the source on everything. Think about it. Think about what's being said. Weigh each of those. And then think, is this realistic? Does this match other data? And I yes, also- you know what? People like to crap on everybody who talks on Reddit. But you may actually find the most authoritative post on Reddit that you will find anywhere else. Because those are some of the real Real experts that are on spending their time in some of those subreddits to post on things. So people just want to crap on Reddit as general. I think that is unfair. But the crap on the usual, oh, I'm just repeating what I saw and that kind of, yes, that is definitely low information posts. Yeah, that is definitely unworthy. But there are some Reddit (laughs) posts that are on there. There are some YouTube comments from people that know their shit. And I think those are, that you can't dismiss. You can't. You have to look at it and sometimes, is this a crank? Is this real? I mean, you have, to, you have to evaluate every single source of information now. You simply can't consider it. But when a company, public company comes out and we just flush this, this entire project down the toilet, that's real. Which one, which one flushed down the toilet? Because Meta just announced an, a brand new uh, they just canned a bunch last of people week. On the, they just canned a bunch of people on the project. We know some of them. Um, well, I mean, but everybody's HoloLens, laying people off. That, HoloLens, that, it's not necessarily. <laughs> Microsoft killed HoloLens, HP, Lenovo, Dell, a whole bunch of OEMs got dragged into mixed reality headsets. Mm-hmm. Toilet, right? I mean, what? I mean, that that's real numbers, right? So what? What exactly? I mean, you could have said the same you? thing about tablet PCs twenty years ago, and now half the stuff that's sold is a tablet. Wait, I, wait, yeah. Oh, no. Do you, so. Oh, oh no. no! Oh no! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh Mike! Oh Mike! You should well, probably pop out now. What's a tablet PC, Mike? What is a tablet PC? <laughs> no, I remember Microsoft's tablet PC. And let me tell you, let's go to the, other oh, than no. Apple iPad. Oh no! And Samsung, <laughs> and some twenty-five dollar Amazon Fire tablet. Where are the tablet players now? Uh, where what do you mean, where are the tablet players it, aside from these hundreds of millions that are sold? Yes, yeah. but where where are all of their players? Where where is this? Where uh, and, was this tablet? One, one, one plus did just announce a new tablet. Surprisingly, uh, so I mean, you, know. you can't I mean, say they're getting if into you, if you ignore the biggest parts of the market, the market doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but I mean, do you remember what the what the what the predictions oh, were in 2012? It's no, a good yes. idea. We should leave. What was it? We were all going to give up our laptops and desktops for our tablets. I would be sitting out in the grass doing work. Right? That was a prediction. Mm-hmm. Your Honor, may I make my closing statement? I, I'm right, just saying get... the reality did not match. Re- that's what was was told we were going to get. All right, and that was what we were told. PC was dead. And VR. It, I think is is has amazing potential specifically for entertainment and frankly not much beyond that. You've got some professional applications in training. Like uh, my mother is a doctorate of nursing down in Texas, and they have replaced or they're looking to replace like an eighty thousand dollar medical training dummy uh, with some of these Oculus VR systems that they're looking into right now. That's a really cool application. That's incredibly niche. And on top of that, you've got entertainment. You've got games and movies. And some people think it's really cool. Some people will never do it. Some people right now have never played video games in their life, even people who are younger than you would think. AR, I think, has a lot more capability to transform the way we use technology in and around, specifically in a mobile way. And I'll point out three of the four people on this podcast are wearing glasses. And I know three of the four people on this podcast, at least, have used smartwatches. And 20 years ago, the idea of sticking a a computer that can run apps in your watch was ridiculous until you can start to find ways that it becomes useful. Is it useful yet? No. Will it become useful within five years, within 10 years? I think it certainly will. I think Apple is waiting for that. Whether and, And building a foundation for that. Whether they're making the right bet at the right time, that goes back to whether this is the Newton or the iPhone. Um. And, and for that, we're just going to have to wait and see. So where would you put your money then on this? Uh, my put money, money down. Put your bet down. Here we go. I wouldn't put all my money on it. But, I, but if I had some to blow, and not that I do, because I don't invest in technology because I'm a technology journalist, I would put a little money on Apple doing this just because they have the capability and apparently they have the will to make it happen. Well, I, I don't mean investing in stocks. I mean, like, you yeah. know, in Vegas, they will bet on everything. Is that fly going to land on that stick? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Let's, they'll they'll right. plow into that. Give, What's give, your give odds me... for for whatever this vision thing is continuing? Five years, I can't imagine them blowing this up in five years. Do you think this vision, your whatever AR, VR goggle will still exist in 10 years? In 10 years, yes. You're put your money down. Will. You're going to put your Will you it still exist? Of 100%. Will will be the, the, the much more common and ubiquitous. I would say for AR, absolutely. That that's my bet. For VR, I think it could go either way. You could get a lot of people into. I think we're in like the the silent movie era of VR entertainment, where people are still experimenting in a lot of ways and don't know how to make it work. Like if you go back in the history of film and you look at the silent film era, they were doing absolutely insane things with camera techniques, with practical effects things that would still blow your mind today because it's a brand new medium and they're still discovering how all this will work, how it can work. That's where VR is at right now, both in terms of entertainment and in terms of simulation, where even the lines are blurring. That frankly doesn't interest me as much as augmented reality, whether you call augmented reality looking through a camera or looking at the real world with stuff projected around it. That has incredible potential to me on the same level of smartphones, smartwatches. So yes, in 10 years, I see that becoming 
very possibly ubiquitous. And I would put money on that. Okay. I, uh, I would, um, I, again, I, I think we may have, I'm certain we will have colonies on Mars one day and we will leave our solar system, but I will not be on this planet probably by then. So I, I just, I just don't think, I just don't think it's, I, I, I'm so pessimistic now because just the graveyard of failures here is tremendous. Okay, that's, that's harsh, Gordon. That's yeah. harsh. I mean, <laughs> the graveyard new, of failed VR, AR projects. The thing is, is that you, you are expecting, I mean, in fairness, you are expecting a timeline of uh, inception to like um, daily usage, like practical daily usage on a much shortened timeline compared to a lot of the other technologies we've seen. I mean, computers, when they first got started, like it was like decades before they got even small enough to be in our homes. Um, like the whole thing with smartphones, it took a while before they were able to nail down a ubiquitous, wide reach application of it. And also, I, I wanted to address this, you know, in terms of the whole headset thing for AR, VR. Um, with Apple, I think the reason why I'm just not sold on this, Adam, is because Apple of today, let's say post, you know, them almost biting it and having the basically the iPod save them from, you know, insolvency. They don't do things unless they're so confident that everyone's going to go, yes, I see absolutely why I would need one or why a competitor is going to come out with the thing that I want because this one's too locked down, right? They did that with the iPhone. So yeah, there were other precursors to the iPhone, but PDAs were kind of a thing that people did either um, to say how important they were or because they just liked having that kind of like cool technology in their hands, right? But when the iPhone came out, a lot of people were like, oh, wait, I see the utility in that. People who are not technology oriented to even, right? They're like, yes, that is a much better way to be able to check my like email. This is a much better way for me to have instant communication with people through text message. They got it. They understood it. Even the Apple Watch, not, not as wide utility or application, but people who were like, yes, I have so many notifications. I need a way to be able to get, like, see them and not have to like interact. Oh, hi, kitty. Interact with them. Right. This headset, they did not present it, at least to me, in a way that made me go, yes, everyone's going to want to have one because they see how it's going to be able to improve their lives. Like this is the best way to do some virtual trainings. This is the best way to hold meetings. This is the best way to do this. Like there's nothing universal enough about it that make people that would make people go. Ah, so to me, it's weird. Like it feels too early. It's like they got so excited about it that they released it before they hit that like that that set point where they're like okay yeah everyone's gonna want one now like we can charge whatever we want for it <laughs> yeah uh so to that point i would like to say it's like lunchtime out here yeah My cat's prowling because he still wants more food i would like food at some point we have another topic to go and question and answer so i feel like as much as i love you both <laughs> maybe we should let this one kind of sit as a stalemate between uh, Gordon and Kreider. I rest my case, Your I mean, Honor. <laughs> luckily, luckily for either, like the answer for this is like 10 plus years out. So it's not like we're going to be able to come back next year and be like, ah, see, I told you so. So, <laughs> uh, but good, good point. Yes, we should, we should switch to the next topic, which is false CPU launches. So 
This one's kind of a, a multi-parter. Uh, first off, we, we put up a video with uh, Wendell from Level 1 Techs. Always good to chat with him uh, over on uh, our YouTube channel, or I guess that's where you're watching this now. Uh, so you should, you should go watch it. It was interesting because both Gordon and Wendell saw Z790 motherboard refreshes at Computex, which hinted towards what the potential Intel CPUs are going to be in the fall. So there's that side. And then AMD um, got out and talked about their AM5 roadmap, which wasn't pure consumer. They didn't come out and, you know, say anything specific about consumer stuff. But uh, I think there's at least a little bit to, to kind of gleam into this. So Gordon, please, please tell us what, what can people expect from CPUs in the fall? Well, you know, one of them is this fall. The other one, is not really this fall, unfortunately, but we, we kind of counted there because the news comes there. Um, public confirmation, of course, is AMD. They basically showed off their AMD socket roadmap. I dropped that that graphic in there, Adam, if you want to show it or not. But yep. basically showing that, hey, we got AM5. We established that with uh, 2023 with um, Zen 4 with Navi 3.0, which some people are saying, wait a minute, I thought that wasn't Navi 3.0, but... They're now confirming, which is not much of a shocker, but um, they are confirming that Ryzen 8000 will come, you know, Zen 5, and that will come with Navi's uh, 3.5, and that's going to come in 2024. So not exactly a, a surprise. You will get another generation of AMD Ryzen processors in the AM, <clears throat> the AM5 socket. And that'll come in 2024, so not not really a big shocker, but it is nice to see them at least publicly confirm it. It's kind of just move the ball down the field a little bit. Um, for Intel, it, there's a lot more speculation because we, we know there's a refresh supposedly coming second half of this year. The rumors are that it would be a Raptor Lake refresh. Some people still think Meteor Lake will come. There's some people think Meteor Lake will be on desktop has been sort of uh, is not going to come. It'll only be a, a laptop part. Some people consider that canceled. I don't know if that's canceled or not. Or, but uh, so there's also possibility that when we see the 14th gen CPU, it might be Raptor Lake refresh instead of actually Meteor Lake cores when it comes. So that is a distinct possibility. Uh, I also want to point out. Uh, Gigabyte and MSI apparently dropped BIOS updates that uh, show supports. The update supports, uh, this came out May 31st for the Z790 or Extreme board. The F4D BIOS supports and powers up Intel and uh, in, supports and powers up Intel next generation processor. So clearly a 14th gen CPU probably that will come in the socket. Uh, Wendell and I were discussing whether this should be called 13th gen or 14th gen because if it's if it's Meteor Lake 14th gen, if it's basically a clock boosted Raptor Lake refresh, is that really 14th gen or is that 13th gen? Um, who knows what's going to happen? Although I do like, you know, Wendell getting everybody very excited for the idea that maybe it will actually be a Raptor Lake refresh, but they give people what they sort of wanted, which was an all P-core version. So 10 P-cores in the same socket. And the one thing that he saw at Computex were a lot of motherboards. They were Z790 chipsets that work with existing Intel CPUs. 
but with really, really beefed up power. So beefed up power clearly implies this next generation of CPU for Intel is going to want even more power, which seems kind of crazy. But um, that would kind of go with the idea of uh, a Raptor-like part that hits higher clocks. And also it kind of goes with the idea of like, hey, maybe they pull out the, the E cores and then they put in two more P cores in order to give you, you know, to, to fit within that thermal and power envelope. So again, it could be everywhere from what we're getting from existing Raptor Lake uh, CPUs with uh, just higher clock boost, which I actually, that's what I expect because I, I sort of think that's what usually happens at the sort of the end of the socket. It gives, it gives PC vendors something to sell, something newer. So I sort of expect basically same core count, same thread count, you know, more more clock speed. Maybe there's some thought that maybe there's a feature that didn't make it into the original Raptor Lake that will now be enabled that let them that will let them push higher higher clocks at more power, but not a crazy amount more power. So maybe they can maybe that'll be kind of part of the uh, excitement for the for a a potentially 14 gen part. But uh, I think that's pretty much the lay of the land as we're seeing it uh, out of the Computex news and as well as this this BIOS update. So not a lot of news there, although honestly, I could get excited for a a 10 core P core that is clocked up over, you know, current parts. If, if it were the 10 P core, uh, I'm sorry, were you saying it would have any E core or it would just be a scaled back E core? Well, I, I mean, it sounds like Wendell was sort of suggesting they lose the E cores, right? Because, you know, the, they could give you even they could give you it all if they had you know the a workstation size socket in there which increases costs. It's just not reasonable for consumers, even at the prices we're paying for them for a workstation board. So the idea is you you lose the e cores and you give you get nothing but the p cores, right? So maybe we sort of get a mini Sapphire Rapids kind of thing potentially, which I I like that idea. Because having more P cores would be pretty nice. Uh, although at the same time, the e, the e cores were actually pretty nifty too. So that's a bummer. But but if you know, obviously they would tune the you know any ten core P core part to be obviously faster than the existing um, CPU. So that that would be part of the the math they have to do there. Hmm. I mean, but would would a ten P core part beat? the the current thirteen nine hundred KS in Cinebench, <laughs> uh, it might get close. It might it might get it might be closer than we expect. But again, maybe that's why they push the power up hmm. because then they have to push the clocks up, push the TDP up to get more performance. It could be, it maybe doesn't have to crush it in multi core performance, but it has to be faster because people won't settle for less. But it's but the you may actually just get potential upsides everywhere too, right? So because ten P cores is and the math may work out, but you know that might have just been Wendell messing with us. But I like that idea, you know, because if you take all that power and you really push those those P cores really hard, you you can, you know, Intel Intel um, is Raptor Lake was no joke, right? That was a fast CPU. So if it's potentially faster, more power hungry, um, people may accept that. What if, what if they go the other way? Uh, Dr. Ian Cutris is happy. They got two P cores and 32 E cores. He wants all the E cores? Yeah, yeah. he'd be happy for that. <laughs> I don't think that's something consumers want, though. Yeah, no, no I'm just kidding. Uh, well, it, just, I, it just doesn't work. You know, because 
the interesting is like, well, maybe the single threader performance is bumped up too, right? So they, besides the fact that you're doing 10 P cores, maybe the clock speeds for the for the uh, lightly threaded stuff is significant increase. And then that, and of course, in the in the all important fastest gaming CPU category, then that would give them their 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 check off, and they could claim that, right? And that that's actually worth mm-hmm. it, right? Because the only thing they really have to beat is not Raptor like 13th gen. The only thing they really have to beat is X3D parts. <laughs> uh, the other question I have is is something we talked about before. It was funny last year we recorded a video saying, "Hey, is 13th gen the last?" CPU generation in this socket, and all the comments were like, "Oh yeah, this is it. You know, you're you're done. There's there's no more." But now it's almost kind of looking like there's going to be three generations. There's going to be a 14th gen, whatever whatever it is. It looks like there's going to be 14th gen in the same socket. I mean, that, and that's kind of a big deal, even if, if even if it's just a simple Raptor like refresh. Like that's still something Intel hasn't done in a while, right? Is to have three three generations in one socket. Boy, I'm trying to think of technically would a KS part count there, like a ninth gen KS, because you had some 8700Ks overlap with 99,000 parts, right? I'm trying to think. I can't remember back that far already. <laughs> I, I wonder if, I the, would... uh, if, if the branding we've heard about or the rebranding that's coming up probably before the end of the year that we keep hearing about where they're going to drop the I on all of the core I3, I5. I seven. I wonder if that's if that's equating into this anywhere, making their decisions on whether to jump to a new socket or not. Yeah, that I seems like a done deal at this point. I don't think they. I don't think it'll show up here. I think we were going to see this weird split where we see Meteor Lake because you know Brad and I were talking about it, and it makes a lot of sense to do the ultra stuff with the next generation GP cores that are going to be significantly mm-hmm. better, so that you have a way to differentiate the different you know VPU cores that. The, the different GPU cores. So you have that ultra nomenclature to sort of break out those differences. But if that is only in a laptop part, it's potential we could see core i7, 10 whatever ultra on laptops and then a 14 gen, right? And then, no, actually, I, I, the numbers are throwing around are 1,000. And then on the desktop part, it's potential we could see, you know, st- still, you know, 14 gen core i9, 14900k right it's that's entirely possible too so i could i could see them doing that weird naming because intel's done it before they've done crazy things like on mobile when they had ice lake parts and they had comet lake so they had like five letter core i7 10700u and then they had like core i7 uh 10 1050u or something like that it was like what four digit and five digit and U parts in the exact same timeline, so it was it'll, it was strange when they they were forced to do it because of the parts they had to sell. So yeah. the ultra may not even show up on the on the desktop part. Yeah, I mean it, it, it just it, it's weird all around, right? I mean, because then the the other potential scenario is we have like the stack, the highest end stack is a refresh of Raptor Lake. Mid down the stack on desktop, I'm talking about is Raptor Lake. And then maybe the real low end stuff is is still Alder Lake, uh, all all within fourteenth gen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean we've seen it before, right? It's it's that reality of where 
they got to have different things to sell to different markets. And for AMD too, right? That's what we had. That's why we had that wheel of <laughs> wheel of different cores for their mobile parts because they clearly expected to sell older mobile parts alongside newer mobile parts. Yeah. Makes our jobs harder as uh, people who are supposed to be helping others make sound technology decisions, right? Where somebody comes to you and they say, well, I, I heard so much about this high-end stuff or like, when are they going to launch the, like the more affordable ones? And you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. So, yeah. So not, I mean, there isn't a lot of information that really bite on, but it's interesting. We, we probably will see another generation of CPUs in the same socket. So we, I, I'm with you, Adam, depending on what Which it is. Which is big news. I, I mean, I, I would even, even if, even if it's not great, that's still big news to say, hey, three yeah, generations it's in one it, socket. It's definitely better for Intel, right? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like we're all a little low energy right now because three of us at least are hungry, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what your snacking schedule is like, Kreider, if you actually have one. Um, but I would say that with Brad not here... Like, I want to talk a little bit about speculation and things I'd like to see because, you know, he's not always so, he's not always so hot on us. Do it, <laughs> please. And all of that. Well, what would you like to rumor, say? But <laughs> I, I mean, I get where Gordon's coming from with the whole, like, you know, seeing just pure performance cores in a single chip as exciting. But honestly, I, I'm more looking forward to seeing what kind of APUs that might come down the pipeline. I really, really want to see some refresh APUs. Um, and I want to see if Intel is going to give us something equivalent to uh, what we've seen so far from AMD, uh, AMD for their APUs, right? Like now that they have ARC and now, I mean, they've got obviously their CPU lineup. Like let's, let's have like a little like sandwich of Intel, all Intel goodness and see how that performs. Like, I think that'd be pretty cool. I want to see stuff like that, right? I mean... Don't get me wrong. We obviously love performance here, but I also think innovation and like new products and things that address people's needs in different ways is really cool too. Like one of the things I've been working on uh, behind the scenes here is uh, looking at power consumption for like different gaming rigs and different setups I've got. I've been talking to some people from um, different regions about their energy costs and it is really wild, like how much some people are paying right now versus other areas. And so this stuff kind of matters in, like, it doesn't sound like much, right? Where you're like, oh, I paid an extra 30 cents today, but that adds up. Like, it adds up pretty quickly. So I would love to see more options that are more power efficient or allow you to have power efficiency, right? So maybe you don't need a discrete graphics card to play whatever game you're playing. Um, because as much as we, as much as I know you love American muscle car type chips, Gordon, not everyone can afford the fuel economy on them. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thankful we uh, we have a plentiful fuel here. But why not go with a laptop at that point? Because sometimes you want to be able to customize it the way you want to. Well, I mean, I'm just if you're looking for performance per watt, it's really hard to beat a gaming laptop because you can do you can do 1440p gaming yeah at high refresh rates under 300 watts. So, yeah, but cost is a factor too. Yeah, cost is a factor. But I mean, if it's, you know, it seems like at that point, you kind of really do need to look at mobile gaming because 
It's everything. Yes. Right? We're just going to go to the extreme opposite end. No. Just, no more PC gaming. No console gaming. No, not mobile gaming. Because mobile gaming to me is laptop gaming, right? So, oh, no, that's not, I, that's I not really how I use think, the phrase, Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, but I, that's because I don't consider mobile gaming to be mobile gaming the way people traditionally do. So, like, Angry Birds, I don't consider it to be... I don't consider that to be gaming in a lot of ways because I'm, I'm just kind of wired that way. But what, I mean, I really think, like, uh, I mean, honestly... Gaming laptops really do offer the best bang for the buck with efficiency. And I don't think, I don't know how that could, you could ever beat that with desktop, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. but then again, you, 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 that's leaving out a very key part of the equation, which is the money factor, how much your budget is and what you can get for the same amount of money. And if you already have a setup that has a monitor and all that, like, do you really need a laptop if you're not? traveling with it, et cetera, et cetera. It's always, it always boils down to like, what's your use case, right? So, yeah, yeah it's definitely tighter though. Cause I mean, discrete is always gonna, always gonna easily beat APUs even in their next generation from these companies. So those in a desktop computer. I'm sorry. I <laughs> said, so you can always upgrade those in a desktop computer. The APU. True. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, but I just kind of like, I don't know. I, I do think people are, that really are so against laptops. If you really are living in a very um, power restricted mode, then you really should think about a laptop. To be honest. Uh, well, yeah. Speaking of APUs, a lot of people. I, I I see a lot of chatter, not only in our our Slack here, but even in Discord, just talking about how when are we going to get Ryzen new Ryzen APUs? Right. I mean, it's it's been a bit. Yep. Yeah, who knows what's going to be it. Yeah, on the, the timetable for that. Instead of Vega. Yeah, that would be exciting. It would definitely be exciting. I kind of wonder, the question is, do they do an AM4 or AM5, right? So probably AM5 at this point. Yeah. We'd have to see. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I think, I think let's move over to Q&A. Does that sound good? Do, do a couple, yeah, yeah. Do a couple quick ones, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we will go to lunch. Um, we had a question, a good question over on our Discord uh, from friend of the show, Master Procrastinator. Uh, this kind of goes back to Computex. What was your favorite PC case that you saw at Computex? Ooh boy, huh? That's if you hard. had to pick one, what's up? Why did I have to pick just one? You're talking to somebody who has five PCs on your desk right now. <laughs> Blame Master Procrastinator. <laughs> I really like that um, the 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 um, Leon Lee the PCMR one that they introduced, Eleven D Vision. Yeah, it really is really pretty. It is kind of a wide wide case for me, so I I really do like it. Just for all the gla- that all glass look is pretty pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with uh, the Fractal Design Terra. Yeah, uh, that was mine. <laughs> I mean, in addition to the, the cool colors that they're using, which a couple of other vendors were, were going on that multicolor sort of very pastel look. Um, I mean, it's it's just such a clean layout. And like I said before the show, I don't know if we were recording. I like my PCs to look like tiny little refrigerators, and this is a beautiful refrigerator. So. <laughs> Um, liquid friend of the show, liquid RS, uh, uh, Gordon on, on that ASUS board, 
that, that we saw with the, the reverse connectors, uh, are they using an existing standard that could easily be adopted by other manufacturers or was that proprietary to Asus? For the connector, for the I think, slot, yeah. yeah, for the, for the power connector, I believe it was borrowed from, they said from enterprise, they, they miss make, they must make a product for some server or, um, enterprise product. Cause I was wondering if it was just a, a grounds up, but they, they said they borrowed it from data center. So it probably is an existing connector because you generally makes it really expensive to have, you know, Amp or Molex make a custom connector for you. You just kind of pick something off the shelf that handles the power they need. So that's my guess. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, a friend of the show, Cause MCS, uh, given the AI and server focus of Computex this year, uh, Windows 365, cloud PC, and virtualization are no longer hiding in the pro slash workstation component in both GPU and CPU spaces. Is the future of the home PC uh, in is the future of the home PC in home labbing and thin client? Imagine you have one computer in your house and then you have five users connecting to it. Uh, that's hard to see. I mean, definitely some models are pushing for that. I, I don't see it drastically changing immediately. Yeah, the question, though, is, is there enough power to do it on your desktop, laptop client for all the expected AI loads, or do you have to run everything in the cloud? I, I don't know. But I, I kind of think people who just like to do it locally will pay off, but we'll have to see, right? We'll have to see when we get there. That's my guess. I don't know if anybody else has any input on it. I like the idea, but yeah. Then once again, you're having to be the uh, you, you're probably the one in the the household. If it's a big household, that would have to manage it. And <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't see anybody wanting to do that. And if they wanted to, why wouldn't they just go full cloud for that? Yeah, and then you know the the classic. Right now, you have one computer that breaks out of five. You have four computers that are still up and running. When that thing breaks, it all breaks. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't what know if that's a point of failure. model people are ready for. If it goes full cloud too, like that, also you know supposes or assumes that you have reliable internet. And True. there, there are definitely places in the world, including the United States, where that is not a guarantee or a given. Yeah, although in some in some parts of the, in some ways we're already living in the cloud. We just don't know it. So. Okay, uh, come more real quick and, and we'll wrap up. Um, uh, uh, oh, oh, that's not a question. Never mind. It was a hot, hot take from CauseMC. I, I guess I'll read it. Uh, <laughs> can we cut the BS for a minute and be real that NVIDIA has never been for gamers? Gaming GPUs were and will always be a byproduct of server and workstation GPUs. Uh, 2020 through 2022 showed NVIDIA didn't care about gamers. Compared to the usage of what companies are willing to pay for GPUs, gaming is a niche market for NVIDIA. Hmm. I'm not sure. So 2022, well, were we saying that? Reference to the miners. Yeah. Right? yeah. From 2020 to 2022, most of their GPUs oh. were sold to... Yeah, I mean, but that's... Uh... I think that was a pretty big anomaly in market terms. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, like, the question is, 
are the cards developed for gamers at all? Is is the the question we're talking about now? Whether the the company's business practices in unusual times. Well, no, he's he's saying I, I, gaming GPUs were and will always be a byproduct of server and workstation GPUs, which. We do talk about that on the ARC side, right? That's one of the arguments of like, hey, you know what? ARC is still going to be around because they want to get into the server space. So ARC, the ARC will, you know, if you're going to be in the server space, you might as well make a, a gaming version too. So, Yeah, but the argument there is they've split the units off because now um, the graphics, there's firmly a graphics for consumers and there's firmly, you know, graphics for data center. So I, I don't know if that theory holds anymore. For NVIDIA, yeah, I know. Definitely, they try to build something that appeals to both because it's it's really expensive to, dip, to build separate things. Uh, the question is whether that serve gamers or not. You know, obviously, the NVIDIA answer is like, look, this is giving you DLSS 3. This is giving you frame generation. This is giving you all these other things that basically have benefited gamers directly. And this is because of our investment in what has also, of course, served us really nice to sell uh, hardware into data centers, so they're they they're clearly trying to do synergy. They're not trying to build an all-out gaming card, and then hey, let's do some data center thing later or do it after. And so there, I there's definitely crossover. But then we're gonna we're really getting into the question of like, has that benefited you? I, I don't know. You know, I would definitely. I would know what NVIDIA would say, and like we are kicking the hell out of everybody with our 4090 card, so we think we are doing it. Uh, and that does trickle down to some of the lower-end parts, so that's what they would say. But, you know, I don't know if you can flat-out say you're right, and they can flat-out say they're right. So what it'll come down to is in the next generation and generation after that, if they are not giving you more value for you as a gamer than the competition is, then yeah, they've definitely lost, and then you should obviously buy somebody else's products. That's the way it should be. But I don't really think I, I subscribe to your that they they don't give they don't care. So I'm, I'm not sure I believe in that. Okay, uh, last question before we get out of here. A friend of the show, VC Jester, asks, uh, "How much does it annoy you when people talk like gaming is the only thing a computer is used for?" <laughs> well, it annoys me a lot because it it is kind of. It is a little nut, nutty because the crazy thing is if they just simply say it's the only thing I use it for, that's perfectly fine. The problem is a lot of people who only want to push the gaming first narrative want to exclude all other uses of the you know billions of personal computers out there, which is kind of silly, I think. So, yes, it does annoy the hell out of me. Anybody else? I don't think it annoys me. Uh, and I would say that uh, I feel like for people who regard a computer as a tool, right? Like if you are somebody who crunches tons of data in Excel, if you are somebody who is doing content creation, uh, like a video editor uh, for like a major studio or, you know, whatever freelance thing you're doing, right? It's just a tool to you, right? You don't necessarily have your skin in the game. You're not on a team per se. You just want to know what does the best job for what you're going to do. And it doesn't really matter to you what has the, what's in the zeitgeist, right? The only, the, I think the most that would probably annoy you is that if there's never any news about the things that you care about, right? I think that would be the most annoying part. But 
the fact that so many gamers are so passionate and they want so much attention and that they invest themselves into this as a thing, then like, I don't think it really affects you. So um, I think for me, it doesn't bother me so much because I mean, let them have their fun, you know, let them, let them, uh, let them talk to the companies, push and uh, you know what? If that means that I also get games that I want to play, great. Be vocal. But that that's a, it doesn't annoy you when they basically insist nothing else exists except for their thing. That I doesn't annoy you. That doesn't seem completely myopic, self-centered, like the I entire this entire universe circles around the earth kind of. I don't uh, think they're of... doing that though. I think that they're just very tunnel visioned, but I think that's different than actively refuting the fact that other applications exist. Oh my god, what do I need all these cores for? I only want good gaming. <laughs> That and buy, then kind of... if that's what you care about, then buy a, a console, buy a, a device that does gaming more than anything else. I was looking for reaction. I'm not. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> was, if, if somebody told me that, I mean, the idea that PCs are or even can be only for gaming and nothing else, that doesn't annoy me because that proposition is so ridiculous. I would just ignore it. It's like that one Mad Men scene where you got the guy pouring out his heart in in uh, the elevator, and the other guy's like, "I don't think about you at all." <laughs> Show me somebody who only games on a PC and never looks at Wikipedia, never pays their power bill on the browser, and I'll I'll be very impressed that that person exists. <laughs> well, that's 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 the problem, though, Mike. Is there that is actually a feeling of a lot of people out there, and we do that every time there's a launch and. If the product simply doesn't appeal, is not is sort of tailored for their market, classic is 7950X 3D or 7950X and the lower core count parts. Like suddenly, suddenly, which everybody was cheering when we got 16 cores, is suddenly saying, well, this is ridiculous. What the hell do I need a 16 core version of this for? Right? It was like, huh? Well, so I think I, there's different voices though. Yeah, no, I mean, but those are the loudest ones, the ones screaming at you because it's those just the ones like, with the headlines, Alina. Those, it's just a different <laughs> with the YouTube thumbnails, and 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 they were right. That's exactly, and that's the thing. Those are the people again. Those are the ones that are just simply the ones that annoy that, that annoy the hell out of me because they're just yeah. they simply exist. They're insisting that these things are stupid and never should have been made because it's not for the thing that I want. And it's like what really? That's your attitude on life and. That is a really prevalent theory out there, and that is that is, I'm not even exaggerating that. Even Adam will agree with that, I think. So I, I think it's just it is just something that is just kind of silly. It's really out there, and yeah, it does annoy the hell out of me because it it's just there's, yeah, I can see why you're annoyed, and I just find it a lot easier just to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say specifically what annoys me is CPU for gaming. Like all the reviews just focus on gaming, or like you know that's all the chat, and it's like. Man, out of all the things to really focus on for gaming, like you, CPU is like one of the least ones, like for me. Yeah. Like, so, like you know, I'm not that annoyed, but also like I, I don't think it's the whole PC for me. It's like CPU. It's like, eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but is that so. a question of um, selfishness or ignorance? I feel like maybe it's more based. Both. On... Well, I mean, I think it's, I honestly, I feel like more education would fix that, right? Where, like, I think there's just enough people who, I mean, the same amount of people who know enough to maybe assemble a PC, and this is no slur on them. Like, I was that way for a long time until I really started leaning really heavy into 
you know, catching up on my tech knowledge uh, back in the day. But it's like they're the same people who will say like, oh, do I need to upgrade my memory to improve my gaming, right? Because their the focus is on games, but they don't understand how all the, the parts interact with each other per se or specifically for their setup. Right. So I can see why people are like, is the CPU good for gaming? Because I want the best, you know, gaming system I can have. And so they don't really realize that, well, if you have more of a lower resolution, then yeah, maybe. And if you're an e sports competitor, yeah, maybe. But, you know, if you're just your standard person playing a, a single player game with a Core i5 processor, like you'll be fine. You won't have to worry about, you know, this or that because games really aren't making a lot of use of cores either yet so um i think it's just an education issue personally combined well with just the just the fact that yeah this is the thing i care about so and i don't have a lot of money so i want to really make sure i'm making the best investment versus somebody who's like yeah so my company can afford to spend six thousand on this hmm, which one okay that one looks good with that. <laughs> that's annoying i don't have the benchmarks i need to know if i really want this one or not well, I, I agree it is an education thing, and, and that's why I often, you know, I try to communicate. I try to I try to talk to people because I, I don't, you know, I know it'd be easy just to ignore them because you try to like, hey, you know, look, here's some proof of why this thing exists. The problem, though, is rather than go, people going, oh, okay, I, I get it. It's just, it's just not a part for me. You just get more screaming at you. So that is... Fair. And that is that is kind of the problem that we're we've entered today, and that people just simply want to scream about it and just simply not go. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't need sixty four gigs of RAM for my gaming system, right? It's just kind of, or I mean, you know, that's I mean, the classic thing is people. You're right. People want to upgrade their they they. I need more memory to play this game faster. It's like, uh, no, you need a better GPU, you know. So <laughs> I need but, the sixty four gigabytes because I have five browsers open with lots of yeah. tabs. Yeah. It's just part of that. That's just part of the the annoyance that we've gotten to is people just simply they're very myopic and and they anything else they just have to scream and shout about they can't accept any other different view than them and it's it's kind of a problem we're in right now so but yes it annoys the hell on me well you know the other problem we have right now is that we're hungry Lunch? and we've been yes. going on for almost three <laughs> hours somehow <laughs> so we should uh we should wrap I'm glad it up. i finished my work before i came <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey you know what podcasting's work too elena you know that's my it's other important. work yeah <laughs> uh gordon takes out of here all right check back next week for your fix of pc talk on the full nerd for audio listeners subscribe to us on itunes google play spotify or stitcher and if you're on one of the services, please review a review. Every time you do, Apple introduces a $3,500 VR headset few people <laughs> will ever buy. Think questions and comments. To the full nerd at PCWorld.com, thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Michael Kreider. Bye-bye. Elaine Yee. Bye. And Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the out switch. Time to go eat some food. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we have, like... 10 more interview videos that we did at Computex nice. that are going up. So keep watching. Keep watching. Bye.